0: Hello and welcome to episode two hundred and seventeen of Smarts, which as we all know stands for
1: Sick Martian adopts reform to self.
2: Ooh.
0: Mm. Very good. Thank you. I am Rudiger Q Podcaster and A.K.A. Trevor. And <laughs> you are
1: Julia Gulia of Internet Fame Dash Podcaster. Correct. Because we're married, you see. Yes, I understand. I've hyphenated because I am a modern woman.
0: So we have no time for that. Okay. No time for the mushy <laughs> stuff. We got a jam packed show. Uh huh. So we should move on to news. Okay. Okay, so we have some DC movie news. Oh boy! So coming uh, hot off the heels of the announcement of the release date for the Black Adam movie that we talked about before, coming out at the very end of 2011. Uh, I'm sorry, 2011. It came out eight <laughs> years ago. You're only just now hearing about it. Flew into the radar. 20, 2021. Sorry, that still sounds like the far future. It does. Where sci-fi it? movie should be set. Um, we have release dates for some uh, upcoming, some more upcoming DC movies. So we already knew about Aquaman 2, which was going to hit theaters in December of 2022. Okay. So basically three years from now. Uh, But we now know that Shazam 2 Mm -hmm. will be released in April of that year. And the Flash movie finally mm-hmm. has a release date, presumably still starring Ezra Miller, and who knows who they've roped into directing it this time, because they've gone through about six different directors, oh, um, will we'll, uh, open on July 1st. So that year, we'll have three DC movies, Shazam 2, Flash, and Aquaman 2.
1: Whoa. So
0: that means Shazam 2 is coming out after Black Adam, so okay. my money is on a post-credit scene in Shazam 2, where, where Dwayne Johnson shows up, setting, a, setting up a battle in the p- potential Shazam 3. That's my, that's my guess for that. And the villain of Wait, Shazam. Wait, you
1: said Shazam 2 is after Black Adam? Correct. So then Shazam 2 would have a Black Adam post-credit sequence?
0: Well, because Black Adam will presumably be set in like ancient Egypt or something. So Shazam's not going to be showing up in that. And we know that from the post-credit sequence of the first Shazam movie that presumably Mr. Mind and, and yes. Savannah again yeah, will, will presumably up. be the villains of the second movie. But I'm guessing that the post-credit sequence will tease Black Adam We'll see at the end of Black the end of Black Adam we'll see him being imprisoned Okay in, you know, w- wherever by the wizard. Yeah. Um and then the post credit sequence of Shazam two will show him getting free or something, setting up a battle between him and Shazam, Shazam. for the third movie. For the third Th- movie. That would be my guess.
1: Okay, that's what you're trying to say. Okay. All right.
0: So we have, so that's exciting. We finally have a release date for Flash. We yes. knew Shazam Two was happening. We just didn't know. And the director's coming back for Shazam Two will be the same director, David Sandberg, I think his name is. Cool. And James Wan's coming back from Aquaman from Aquaman Two. We know. We know that also. Actually, there was another thing this week. In addition to the the Wonder Woman 1984 trailer, Ooh. Um, we haven't really talked about trailers recently because we don't really have much right, to I say know, about. But them. it was great. But Patty Jenkins said that not only does she have the third movie mapped out, <laughs> but she's also helping to develop a spinoff focusing on the other Amazons that she will not direct but will produce. Oh, much that's like awesome. how. Much that's like how there was talk about, I guess it's still happening, about that there was going to be an Aquaman spinoff focusing on the Trench. Okay. Remember that? Remember oh, us talking yeah. about that? Yeah. So there'd be presumably be an Amazon spin-off. Maybe folk, maybe, I guess the most logical thing to do would be like an origin story, like how Hippolyta and all the yeah. others like came to Themyscira in the first place. Yeah. And with Hercules and Zeus and like all those other characters Pantheon, involved. That would sure. be the obvious thing to do because otherwise they're just on the island, right? There's not really <laughs> a lot to...
1: Yes, status quo. I mean, I
0: guess they could get into like Grail and that kind of stuff. Like some insidious oh, cool. force comes to the island, right. but it seems to me the most logical to do like an origin story like a prequel but mm-hmm. who knows what they'll do but that, that's another little bit of news
1: but so then is she um, so she, Patty Jenkins said she mapped out uh, the third Wonder Woman movie what does that mean exactly she's not co-writing it or, or something well like she that.
0: she presumably is just like she is just like she did with two. I think she and Jeff Johns wrote two and presumably oh, the same will be so through for, for three. But she's directing the second and she already knows what she wants the third one to be about. So yeah. I don't think they've I don't think they've like officially gotten her to sign for it. Although maybe who knows? They, I don't think we know. Like maybe when they signed it for two, they signed it for three also. That would be the logical thing to do rather than have to renegotiate again in three years. Right. Um, so maybe for all we know, she signed on for those two movies and to produce a spinoff. Yep. Um Wow. So that's that's what we know. So we've got a bit of Marvel TV news. So we've talked, this this feels like it's been a long time coming. We've talked about it many, many times. But Marvel TV is officially being shut down. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean there aren't going to be any more Marvel TV shows, obviously. What it means is the current Marvel TV division, headed up by Jeff Loeb, that's existed for years and, and basically started with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. is being shuttered. Um, the, pro- the projects that are still... In the works will continue, which is not many. Right. Agents of Shield is wrapping up this year. The the Hellstrom series on Hulu is presumably still happening, although now that's the only one since the Ghost Rider series didn't end up happening. Right, and the last thing we know about are the the intertwined uh, cartoons for Hulu, like Modok and and those Howard the Duck. Um, those are presumably still happening, but basically. Marvel TV is is done. Apparently a lot of people have been laid off. Wow. Um, but it's all in the service of Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige's department, basically expanding to encompass TV shows in addition to movies, and thus all the slate of shows that he that he is heading up for disney plus right but i think that what this means is that after a year or two from now when these existing shows have run their course yeah i think that any show you see any tv show you see with the marvel name on it even if it's not on disney plus although i venture to say the vast majority will be mm-hmm. um even if it's on abc or hulu or whatever will be will at least be have kevin Feige's stamp of approval even if he's not officially running it well, so i think that the i think that the age of the tv series being their own separate thing, mm-hmm. but don't really affect the movies at all. Like we've talked about, Ad Nauseam is over. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've said many times that we think this is coming, and now it's actually happened. So, well, you know, it sort of started with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it'll basically end with the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because cartoons have a longer lead-up time and so those are presum- presumably still happening. Although there was a lot of... Um, behind-the-scenes turmoil going on with one of the shows that they they fired the showrunner and the entire writing staff because they didn't like the direction it was going in. So who knows? Those shows might not end up happening either. Who knows? Um, And the last bit of news we have, I'm always happy to see it when this happens, although it feels like it happens sometimes and then eventually (laughs) they go back on it. But um, so you know how comic book series are often renumbered, right? Mm -hmm. Like a series will end and then they'll start again with a new number one a few months later to goose sales or to, to... to indicate to readers that it's a new direction or a new creative team or for any number of marketing or creative reasons. Um, But as, as you know, knowing me as you do, I think you would you would venture to guess that I kind of, while that doesn't bother me, I would prefer if they just kept the the what's called the legacy numbering because it's you know, the fact that there's been over a thousand issues of action comics means something. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it speaks to the history of the company and the character and the staying power and so on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when they relaunched action comics with number one in the new fifty two, I was kind of like do do you have to do that? But what they do every so often and Marvel's done this, DC has done this, is when um when it when the a series is even though it's been renumbered multiple times when it's reaching some sort of landmark anniversary issue. In other words, for example, Wonder Woman. There's right. been like seven or eight volumes of Wonder Woman. But if you go back and add up all, all of the of issues there have been, yeah. Wonder Woman is approaching number 750, mm-hmm. as is The Flash. Right. Um, so what DC has announced is that starting with the up, the those upcoming issues, anniversary issues of Wonder Woman and The Flash, they will resume their legacy numbering. So in a couple right. of months we'll go from flash number 57 or whatever to flash number 750 and mm-hmm. then 751 and 752 they're going to resume their legacy numbering putting them alongside action and detective mm-hmm which picked up their legacy numbering again with Rebirth. Now, there's So I'm happy that this is happening. It's not the first time. I remember they made a big deal with Wonder Woman 600 when they resumed the legacy numbering. But then just a few, like a year after that, the New 52 happened and they were back to number one again. So it may or may not stick. Um, There's certainly many other series that they could do this with, namely, you know, obviously the most prominent being the eponymous Superman and Batman series, which Mm -hmm. have been running for nearly as long as Action and Detective. And obviously many others like Green Lantern, Teen Titans, Legion of Superheroes, they'd be up in the mid three digits as well if they were to, you know, factor all those numbers in. So I think that this is something, I think this is a push with, you know, we talked a few weeks ago with Dan DiDio having his new comprehensive DC timeline that was breaking our brains. Um, And Doomsday Clock and everything. Like, I think that, and Didio said in the press release for this resumption of the legacy numbering that this is to show that that all the past stories matter. And yes. Like, and so I'm like reading that. I'm like, what do you mean what by that? What does that, that mean? <laughs> um, but I think that this is a signal that I, I would expect to see this happening with more classic series like the ones I just mentioned because I think this is something that DC is hot on right now, leaning into their legacy and their history and, and saying that every story counts, mm-hmm. um, even if that is just lip service. Um, but I think that this is something we're going to continue to see more of. But I like it when they do this because I'm in favor of anything that sort of, that acknowledges the history and and shows that everything is in play as opposed to just ignoring the past and pretending like everything is brand new. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you don't need to do that. So I'm in favor of this. I like it when they do that. So... Wonder Woman and Flash, I think in January, they're both going to have their 750th issues. It's cool. They've got a bunch of cl- bunch of classic creators coming back to do stories. They've got a bunch of uh, awesome artists doing variant covers. Like they've got, they've got um, you know, here's a cover that homages the 1930s. Here's a cover that homages the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And then you go right up to like the 2000s where Jim Lee's doing a cover or whatever. Like yeah. they've got an artist that sort of, you know, obviously a lot of the classic artists like H.G. Peter, the original Wonder Woman artist, passed away years ago, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they've got an artist who can sort of, evoke his style style. and then as you get to the 60s and 70s you start to get to artists that are still alive and so they can actually have the classic artists Mm -hmm. do those covers um so it's nice when they do that but Mm -hmm. yeah so that's that's something that's coming up and that's (laughs) it for our news that's exciting so what was your comic of the week
1: so this week i picked superman the number six i think was it the superman up in the sky number six correct right um the conclusion... Oh, so many tears. The conclusion of the whole story where Superman leaves planet Earth to uh, cross multiple galaxies on a quest to save a little girl who's been kidnapped that um, needs saving. Um, and he is he is met with challenges along the way, including facing off against Darkseid and compromising a piece of himself in order to... Um, get just that further step in order to be able to save her and he does and this is the issue where he brings her home and she like a classic beautiful little toddler you know older toddler kid girl is asking all sorts of wonderful interesting insightful funny questions and he is very patiently and lovingly answering every single one of them and it really breathes life into who this character is and um, who both of them are and Um, And then at the end, when he finally gets her home, and she says, the one question I didn't have to ask you is, why did you save me? Because I already know the answer to that one. It's because you're Superman. And I just, all the feels, all the feels. If you haven't read this particular arc, about how he's fighting his way across the galaxy to reach her, and how he's abandoned his home and left it vulnerable, and, and just the first half I know. <laughs> of the, the first story. He
0: still manages to save. Save earth. everybody.
1: Yeah. Just because he happened to uh run into the original threat and the reason why she was taken is so interesting and compelling because the the person who is fighting the waging the war on earth is actually um took took this little girl, kidnapped her because he needed a sample of a, what a human is so that he could expose and um, exploit the vulnerabilities um, on a massive scale. And he didn't think that this one would be missed, that she mattered at all to anybody. And he, Superman's answer is just so wonderful. He's just, you know, you're very wrong about that. <laughs> um, no, sir, you're wrong. I think the first few lines that Superman had at all was just a polite refutation of... Whatever maniacal claim the bad guy was saying, you know, along the way, and it's just so well written. And the the exchange between them on the way home is just so beautiful. Oh, <laughs> I hope they stay friends. In fact, this wonderful little girl, she's so full of character and life that I really hope that some writer somewhere along the line, um, you know, follows her story uh, at some point and we see her again. You
0: know, because she's yeah, just such an interesting. I was going to say girl. that these these Walmart stories are sort of like kind of like skirting the line of whether they're in continuity or not because they're intended for a broader audience being released yes, first to, uh-huh. to Walmart um and so they're sort of giving classic depictions of the characters even in ways which they may not technically be in continuity these days in the main comics right but I mean Bendis introduced Ginny Hex in Batman in the Batman what is now re- being repackaged as Batman Universe and then she showed up as a main character in his young justice series so yeah. it wouldn't be unprecedented yeah. Yeah, awesome. So I, I think that it's interesting because looking at this, it's quite a contrast between something like this and King's, for example, Heroes in Crisis, mm-hmm. because I think that it's 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 um, it's interesting. It speaks to his to his skill as a writer that the same writer could write. Because I guess broadly speaking, you could sort of separate Superman stories thematically into into two groups, ones that treat him as an infallible icon Mm -hmm. and ones that show the flaw in his like perfect exterior right and king and heroes in crisis not that it diminished superman in any way but it said that his his flaw the whole point of heroes in crisis was that even though they're heroes they still have our flaws they still have their the same doubts the same weaknesses the same trauma right the same pain that we have and the whole point of that series was you know you have to deal with that pain and and
1: Push past and, it, overcome and sort of take, it, and somehow... Yeah, like somehow, you, can't,
0: you can't ignore it. You can't right, try to it Right, you somehow to shove, have to face it, it yeah. Um, and that even the people we trust to save us, if anything, the people we trust to save us, we should take comfort in the fact that, they're, that they have the same flaws as us because it means that they're like us, you know? Exactly. And, and moreover, the fact that people who are like us can do such amazing things mean that we can too, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Conversely, you have stories like this where Superman will succeed because he's Superman like there's there's no the fact that he is Superman means that he can win the fact that he is Superman means that he can beat the Flash in a race the fact that he is Superman means that he can save this this one life even though it's statistically impossible that he could find her the fact that he's Superman means that he could stop an alien invasion without you know even the fact that he's like Batman says it too like climbing up from the rubble of all those alien robots it's like what happened it's like well Uh he's Superman that's what happened right (laughs)
2: like
0: even the characters in the story know that it's a fait accompli that yeah, the day will be saved because Superman exists, and it sounds facile to put it that way. And in lesser, lesser writers' hands, it could be. But certainly, there's many inspirational stories. Mm-hmm. The, some of them are among my favorite, like All Stars, All Star Superman that, that Grant Morrison wrote, is widely considered to be the best Superman story of all time. And it falls more into that group, where even though he, Superman is gr- slowly dying in that storyline, he is treated as mm-hmm. you know a god, basically. As Morrison often writes, his characters as like bigger than human, you know. Um, And this falls into that group, but King has sort of written both sides of it, which I find interesting because normally writers are inclined to one or the other, like not to say that it's any knock against them if they can only write one and not the other, like it's just their proclivities or the way they view the character, Mm -hmm. you know, Scott Snyder views Batman one way. Grant yep. Morrison views him another Paul Dini views him another it's yep. not that one is right or wrong but a writer generally has a take on the character mm-hmm. and the fact that Tom King could write the icon and the fallible human yeah you know is I think if you look at Bendis for example his writing like in the issue of Superman we read this week yeah He's writing him as like a regular person, right? He's yeah. not writing the imperfect icon, right? He, right. Doubts, he doubts himself. He has doubts about what's happening with his father, with his son, with his role in this new United Planets. He doubts whether it would be correct to take the step that he takes in this issue. Yep. He do- He's doubting himself every step of the way. But the Superman that Tom King is writing this never doubts himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. He always knows what the right thing to do is because he is Superman. It's mm-hmm. like ipso facto. You know what I mean? Right, right. I just find it interesting. But yes, I that, that would be my pick also. But just... You know, so we don't, for the sake of avoiding redundancy, <laughs> I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, the second issue of the Green Lantern Black Stars, which oh, is the current nice. sort of uh, interlude in Grant Morrison's multi-season The Green Lantern arc where controller Moo has, which is a dumb name, <laughs> maybe it's supposed to be Mew, which, although that's a Pokemon, but if it's supposed to be like the Greek symbol, it's Mew and not Moo, but anyway. Yeah. Um, well, technically... It's, it's spelled M-U, so I... It's
1: <laughs> spelled M-U, but I know, but actually in Greek... And I know because I took ancient Roman Greek. Is it uh, pronounced it, mu? It's mu. It's yeah. not
0: not like the Pokemon. Nope. Um, anyway, um, he is he is sort of tricked, help tricked, manipulate Hal <laughs> Jordan into using the God Machine to rewrite reality, so the Green Lantern Corps never existed, and all the Green Lanterns are Black Stars now and always have been, and yeah. all, you know they're taking over the universe with their you know mind yeah. control and 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 you know everything is perfect philosophy. Um, but what I really enjoyed about this one was the uh, I, I mean. Morrison can be a bit of a I don't know he can be a bit of a scamp sometimes like <laughs> it's like if any other writer I don't scamp. think D- DC would let him go <laughs> although I could see Mark Russell getting away with this stuff too because his stuff is also very subversive but when Hal Jordan comes to Earth and Superman's telling him about like the state of Earth and they're, they're talking about like the state yeah. of the, he's like I don't know like like it's over in the Justice League there's always like some crazy this is just one crazy cosmic force after another, and nothing even makes sense. And they're always introducing these new layers. We're always finding some new layer of reality that doesn't make any sense with what came before. And over in, you know, um, what's like what's I was trying to think of what's what's even going on in um oh, and then in bat like Batman is is always, he's preoccupied again with the fact that, the like, oh, Bane's back again. is like, oh, he's, he, every time he's, like, being torn down yeah. by Bane, is like, yeah. over and over again. And Wonder Woman's, like, got the sword and the shield now instead of the lasso and a, yeah. and a peaceful philosophy and... You know, like every, and and then they even do a send up of Bendis' Superman stuff where it's like, <laughs> and sometimes the pacing is really weird. Like, we'll seemingly <laughs> freeze in place while we just say things back and forth and back and forth and back and forth over and over again. And it's like we're frozen in place because, of course, Bendis' pacing yes. is a single panel with word balloons going back and forth between characters, sometimes like five or ten times. Yeah. Whereas the more traditional comic book pacing is, you know, every couple of dialogue beats you have a new panel and that's the way it's paced. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. So I don't know. And to say that Morrison. Doesn't like what Snyder's doing in Justice League or what Bendis he's is doing. He's just kind it's of so, roasting he, all of it. He's kind of roasting all of it. You know, yeah. there's even a couple of other examples that I'm not thinking of. But I always enjoy that sort of subversive <laughs> subversive stuff. Chin, uh... um, it is because th- those takes are are very different than what Morrison yeah. will do. Although I think that Snyder's Chin-Jab. Snyder's Justice League with all the crazy multiverse stuff is really heavily informed by Morrison's own multiversity and things like that. So he but he's he's sort of it is kind of different in that he's, he's introducing these new crazy cosmic entities and oh now there's this dark multiverse feel like Morrison kind of rolled his eyes at that a little bit, which is fine because he's kind of earned the right to do that. <laughs> but I got a kick out of that. And I also wanted to give a tip of the hat to Deathstroke number fifty, um, which I thought was a really good oh, wrap up to yeah, the series. That was pretty good. Um a wrap up mm-hmm. Jericho's arc and Roses and the introdu- the introduction a few issues ago of this older, like eviler deathstroke. Yeah. Uh, we what didn't that quite was know where about. he came from. And this one we find out that he was sort of brought from the sent from the dark multiverse by Raven. Just yeah. like he was like ejected from his world, like we don't want to deal with you anymore because he murdered <laughs> most of the Titans. Yeah. Um, and Deathstroke kind of gets a gets a thing here where he gets a win against this evil version of himself and kind of gets a one and and sort of serves as a commentary too, where this this other evil or Deathstroke kind of makes our guy seem somewhat reasonable mm-hmm. by comparison. Yeah. But he's but he he develops an instant dislike for our Deathstroke because mm-hmm. he's like you're you had everything you had the family and so on that I never had and you still screwed it all up like you're mm-hmm. weak you're a failure right? But our guy still wins because you know he's our he's our version right. And at the end it seems like he might settle down everybody's like having this, this yeah, nice Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving dinner, dinner and then yeah. they walk into the kitchen and he's off, you know, he's taking another job. The door's job. Open, it lasted, the turkey like, is out. like, like five minutes, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's a good wrap up. It, it tied everything together. Like Joey loses the sort of crazy powers that he got right. from Lex Luthor and yep. Ro- there's sort of a, a wrap up to the whole, you know, you know, Rose had the had sort of fake marriage with Hossein, but then she kind of loved him after all and then he yeah. was killed by this other death stroke and that sort of gets comes to a head. mm mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I thought I sure would. It'd, 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 the whole thing with Isherwood, well, yeah, he sacrifices himself yep. to take the power away from Joey so yeah. that he can be normal again. Yeah. yeah, I thought it brought everything full circle. And it's really rare these days to have like a 50-issue run. Like if you were to read this whole run, you would basically learn everything you need to know about who Deathstroke is, Yeah. his relationships to everyone from Superman to Batman to his ex-wife to his kids to the Teen Titans to yep. everything else. Um, And I, I think it was a really cool run. I've been reading sort of an exit interview with Christopher Priest, and he talked about how the series was was very difficult um because for for a number of reasons one is that like dc editorial i guess kept forgetting that like priest wanted to write him as a villain like priest was always saying we he he's not supposed to be likable you know like yeah he he should be understandable he should be maybe a little bit relatable you know Mm you should be able to maybe empathize with him or sympathize with him but he should not be likable he's a villain right yeah um but dc is always trying to kind of make him seem a bit more of like an anti-hero because yeah, yeah. maybe a bit more marketable, a bit more palatable. Mm-hmm. Um but but the problem with that also was he didn't realize till he started writing the series well he doesn't have his own villains. His villains are the heroes. Exactly. So every time he would want to have Deathstroke fight somebody, he would have to like go to the editor of the Superman comics and be like can we can we use Superman in our story and they're like well I don't know. We've got him doing you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It would be hard to like Find characters for him to fight because right. he'd always have to go hat in hand to the editors of, like, the Bat Office or the Superman Office or, or the
1: Titan's Office. Or,
0: like, imagine how hard it was to get clearance in the story arc where he even dangled the possibility that Damien might be Deathstroke's biological yeah, son yeah. instead of Batman, right? Yeah. That probably had to go through 15 levels of clearance because Damien's yeah. a hugely popular character, not to mention Batman himself, right? Of course. So, it was a very difficult series to write from an editorial perspective. Hmm. But he, I feel like he really he did a great job. Yeah, and I feel I like I know that sometimes you found it like hard to get into because he was not very likable, yeah. or you kind of find it a little confusing at times. But I think that it's it serves as a really good finite. Like you could put this all in like this two, two or three shelf, thick books yep. and say this is this is who Deathstroke is and like the modern version of Deathstroke. Yep. Um, and it's I think good. that it was it's a really successful sort of not reinvention so much, but a summation of the character. Like everything you know, they even had some sort of stuff with Terra in there. Obviously, Rose and Jericho, like all the classic Deathstroke tropes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Fighting Batman, even turning good and then going back again, the whole Defiance arc where he was basically leading his own version of the Teen Titans. Yeah. Every sort of Deathstroke trope or story that you would want to tell is sort of like condensed into this one run. So I think it was really, it was really successful. And I don't know what their plans are for the character. I know that it was Priest, I don't know whether editorial was like, you know what, we're, we're gonna, we want you to wrap this up because sales are dipping or whatever, I don't know. But Priest made it sound like, Priest made it sound like Um, it was his choice to leave because he's not a fan of like writers sort of staying on past Mm -hmm. their shelf date. He's like, you should get out while you're on top kind of thing because yeah. he feels like it's sort of a, an epi- I don't necessarily agree because I feel like these days writers you're lucky to get 12 issues of a series out of a writer before they move on to some new shiny series. I the, know. the fact that we've gotten Joshua Williamson for like 60 issues on Flash or Scott Snyder for 40 issues on Justice League or some of the other examples we have these days in modern DC are quite rare. Yeah. Um, but I, I still take his point that you want to sort of go out on top so but I think that he deserves a tip of the hat because I think it was a really good as, as, as good a job as you could do making Deathstroke interesting and relatable and sort of telling a complex because it was you know the stuff Pretty would pay off like yeah. dozens of issues later stuff would be called back stuff wouldn't be explained until way later it sort of feels like he had it all planned out didn't even if he didn't necessarily so I think it was really successful yep um now we talked last week about how we're going to do the second half of the ranking the titans thing yes but do you want to forego that for a week so that we can our, have our sort of activity this week be the crisis predictions yes we can let's talk do... about so but should we talk about that now or should we talk about that when we're talking about the crisis stuff because we do have other shows to talk about. I feel like we should finish with the crisis stuff because that's probably going to take the most time. So let's quickly talk about some of our other shows, and then we'll talk about it, the, our crisis predictions in the context of the actual crisis episodes. Yeah. Okay? so
1: yeah, that makes sense. So we'll so, flip the we'll flip the activity yeah, and put so that on the end. Star the Wars episode. Resistance,
0: yep. a couple of short tracks was just out today, and then a bunch of the the crisis stuff, and then Harley Quinn and the Mandalorian. So Star Wars Resistance, Harley Quinn and the Mandalorian sounds like it's a it's a <laughs> buddy buddy comedy. Yep. Um, so Star Wars Resistance, Kaz's Curse. This yeah. was, I feel like we say kind of the same things every week. This was a fun episode that didn't really... I mean, it started Add to, to the establish story, like yeah. the, the older archaeologist arc. character, like yeah. establishing her more in the group, like right. as part of the community of the of the Colossus. Um, and it kind of gave Kaz a win and everything else. But, you know, again, so any episode that doesn't have... I agree with, you know, what the Star Wars Explained guys say. Like any episode that doesn't have the First Order in it kind of feels inconsequential because that's clearly... The arc. arc, that's clearly the yeah. you know the main story that's being told. Next week, I think, we're that's going to pay see, off. Yeah. I think Kaz and, and um, Tam actually get to meet face-to-face again next week for the first time since season one. So that should be interesting. Um, these couple of short tracks that we just got today, so there were two of them. Ephraim and Dot was mm-hmm. the first one. And then uh, The Girl Who Made the Stars. Mm. Although for some reason, Autocorrect has turned that into The Girl Who Made the Stars, Zesis. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. That seems like a, some sort of merge I conflict in my in, in the sinking or something. Maybe. <laughs> um, but these were these were these were so the first one was really cute. The first one was yeah. sort of like a it was <laughs> a cute sort of romp where there's uh, the tardigrade that travels the mycelial network. Um, gets brought aboard the Enterprise mm-hmm. during like the classic Kirk era and like lays its eggs there. But then one of the Enterprise's security robots mm-hmm. keeps trying and to pu- push it out of the ship. Yeah. Um, and we see that see the, uh, the tardigrade chases the Enterprise through all <laughs> sorts of classic Star Trek stories. So there was Space Seed with Khan Line there, and they use the classic dialogue clips. Yeah, the they so did. Space Seed with Khan Line there in Sick Bay. And then there's. Um, there's the one with the giant Lincoln in space and the one with the giant green hand and then the Tholian web with the sort of like...
1: Don't forget Sulu with the sword.
0: Right, Sulu naked with the sword when they're all hop, hopped up on whatever like crazy juice yeah. that was making them all crazy. Um, I don't know the classic series episodes obviously as well as I know some of the later stuff. Um, and then the ship changes and suddenly we're in the movie era with like the refit Enterprise. Yeah. And we see it being attacked by the Reliant in Wrath of Khan and then we're like, uh-oh, I know where this is going because the very next movie, of course set to struct, blows up over genesis's planet forbidden right yeah, so i yeah. see it blow up in space and it goes down and crashes into planet genesis mm-hmm. and uh the tardigrade is like oh no my eggs and then it turns out the robot saved the eggs mm-hmm. um which is really sweet because of course the starfleet robot would be programmed to preserve life you know any, mm-hmm. any life so that, i felt that was really sweet the second one was interesting it takes place when michael burnham is a young girl on the sort of science outpost that she was there with mm-hmm. her parents yeah um And her father, because she's having trouble going to sleep, her father tells her this story about the um, girl in like the First People. So in like ancient Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, at first I'm like, oh, this is interesting. It's going to be like some historical story. But obviously this was more myth than fact because there were literally no stars in the sky until Mm -hmm. this girl met this alien that fell to Earth. So I feel like maybe it's the kind of thing. Certainly Star Trek is replete with alien species landing in earth like oh it turns out there's actually <laughs> yeah. been like 15 different quote unquote first contacts between humans and <laughs> aliens the one that came and influenced the native americans mm-hmm. there was the one that came and took the native americans to the other planet so right. that kirk could go and be super racist you know in the yeah. 1960s and then there was the you know i'm forgetting yeah. a bazillion other all carbon carbon creek the one where the to grandmother landed in yes. you know like the mccarthy era u.s <laughs> and you know what i mean um so it could be informed by something that really happened although obviously how would they know if this had really happened right there'd be Mm -hmm. no and you know so it's basically a myth but it's cool to see like the sort of formative stories that michael was told growing up that sort of empowered her you know and Mm -hmm. the animation in these is beautiful so the first one is done in sort of a style kind of similar to star wars resistance like you, you could say like very flat colors um almost sort of a cell shaded look and the second one is sort of more to make a broad generalization more Pixar-like.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: with a lot more... Definitely
1: um, focusing on 3D animation. More realistic,
0: yeah. more... Re- well, they're both 3D animated, but the second one had, me, m- had yeah. more realistic lighting. The lighting is part of what makes a huge difference. The lighting and the shading is really the difference between the sort of flat cel-shaded look you see in something like Star Wars Resistance right. and the more realistic look you got in something like Clone Wars or Rebels. It's really mostly in the lighting. Because the level of detail wasn't really that different between the two, mm-hmm. although it was, you know, a little bit more in the second one. It's really more just the lighting and the, you know, the art direction... Um, but these are both a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, if Star Trek is going to continue to expand, throwing some sort of weird oddball animated stories out there like this. I mean, we know that there's fully two different anime, full animated series being developed. There's the Lower Decks, which is presumably premiering sometime next year. And then there's whatever the Nickelodeon one ends up being, which will be more kids. Oh yeah, that's right. We know a little yeah. bit about those kids that find a, uh, an abandoned Starfleet ship and go off and have adventures. Um, but if there's, if there's going to be like, more and more star trek on the air simultaneously yeah like tell you know what i mean like i don't think you necessarily want to have a whole series about this tardigrade that flies around you know having adventures with the enterprise repair robot but you know do do weird oddball animated stories like this so long as they have heart to them you know Mm -hmm. and good performances and tell a uh, an interesting story then yeah i feel like you can do stuff like this yep um so let's see what else. Harley Quinn. This one was still a lot of fun. I think it, maybe I didn't like it quite as much as the first one. The first one to me had more like laugh out loud moments, but this mm. was a lot of fun. Again, like I feel like if if uh, the first one introduced us to to like the best version of Commissioner Gordon ever, this one maybe introduced us to the best version of Bane ever, <laughs> which is the yes. guy who is basically has a mumbly Tom Hardy voice, but mm-hmm. is constantly put upon. Yes. Um, and
1: sort of verbally abused by all of his people around him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This was a lot of fun. So they sort of end up they <laughs> end up crashing Penguin's nephew's uh, bar, bar mitzvah, mi- yeah. and and get into a whole uh, there's a whole caper, a whole escapade there. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and, and it continues to be fun. And then the Mandalorian. So this was Chapter Five, The Gunslinger. Mm-hmm. This might be I, I enjoyed it. It might be my least favorite so far, not by a huge uh. margin, because they've all been really good. But if this one just yes. felt, even the last one the last one didn't necessarily feel like. Um, cru- uh, crucial story the one where they were like the seven samurai thing yeah um, not that it needs to be like to, not that it needs to forward the arc necessarily to be a really enjoyable episode but if feel, I feel like you this one felt sort of by the number like I know it's a classic these are all like sort of classic western or samurai or, or sci-fi story tropes right. that they're kind of doing yeah. but usually I feel like there's a bit more of a spin on them
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, this one just felt like oh there's this young rookie bounty hunter that he helps Um, But then it turns out that, you know, he's actually a bit more savvy than the Mandalorian thought because he sort of makes this deal with Ming-Na Wen's character, Fennec Shand. But it looks like he's going to make a deal with her. But then he kills her and then he betrays the Mandalorian and he goes back and he has the child at gunpoint and Mm -hmm. the Mandalorian kills him. It just felt like, yeah, you got this young... Rookie bounty hunter. But then the reveal is going to be actually he's smarter than he looks. And he kind mm-hmm. of betrays the Mandalorian or tries to take the money from him or tries to steal the bounty or something. Mm-hmm. And then he gets his up into the end. And that's basically what happened. Yeah. So, and it was, I've seen some people complain that this one was a bit too fanservice-y. You know, with, oh, you got Tatooine. And then you got the, oh, ha- okay. the Moss Eisley and the Hangar Bay and the Cantina and references to Beggar Canyons and Pit Droids from episode one. And like all so much classics. Do-backs, right? Tusken Raiders. So, swoop bikes like every classic you're ta- saying
1: words half of which i don't know well, which of those words didn't you know
0: what's a swoop box the swoop bike the speeder bikes the the hovering speeder bikes oh. that they rode out into the the desert all you right. recognize all the other words i said
1: i uh, i i can't even we were just talking about tardigrades so that's a big jump from that to. you this. haven't
0: contact shifted over to star wars no no yeah, but uh, anyway, I mean I, it got a bit of it got a bit of flack for being too fan servicey like oh, let's just throw in everything you know if you're going to go It was go,
1: nice. It the I planet like the just happens
0: to be Tatooine thing. and okay. Moss Eisley just happens to be the place he lands in Tatooine. It happens to be the exact same hangar bay that they've had the Millennium Falcon and he goes into the exact same cantina like at least when they had Tatooine in episode 1 they found Anakin in Mos Espa, not Mos Eisley, because it's like, yeah, there's more than one city on this planet. Why, it wouldn't need to be the same city, right? Like, I feel like that's no, the minimum yeah. amount of effort. But here it's like, oh, all the Tatooine stuff, you know, back again. So it did feel like a little fan servicey in that way. Yeah. But I don't know, that, that didn't bother me so much. It, it, the The last few episodes have been all new new characters, new planets. So I don't mind it being a little fan servicey now. Yeah. Um, but it, it felt like a, more predictable than the other episodes. But um, so we've got... Actually, multiple episodes of some of these shows. Like, we haven't talked about the Black Lightning episode before Crisis. We haven't talked about the Flash episode before Crisis. But I feel like we were pretty safe just mostly talking about the Crisis stuff. I don't even know where to start with this. Obviously, we could talk for a long time. Do you want to do my predictions first before we before we talk about the...
1: I think you should run this ship, yeah, because okay, I, well, I didn't even have time to do the predictions. So I just
0: time. jotted some of these down in the airport the other day. So it <laughs> took me like it didn't take very long. So, so I think I actually, looking at these now, I think I'm, I might... I don't know. Obviously, it's hard to say. Obviously, a lot of these are still to be determined, right? Because there's still two more parts.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if I'm
0: like, oh, this character is going to die, even if they died, they might still come back, right? So I obviously can't, we can't give a final ranking on this until January. Okay. But I feel like I'm doing pretty good on this. So so I came up with 10 predictions of okay. very, and some of these is because, like, some of these are give gimmies and others aren't. Like, some of these, like, oh, based on, you know, the blurb for the episode or based on, like, the... the the teaser, or the trailer that they released for this, I'm like, okay, it's pretty obvious this is going to happen. So some of these, I'm not, I'm not coming from zero on these. I've been, I've gotten, spoiled? it's been suggested. No, no. not spoiled. I mean, they 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 release an ad for the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watch, like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't be, you're, you're supposed right. to. No, you, you can't know, be blamed. You're for expected theory, to go right? in yeah. having that that information. Um, so my first prediction. This is one that we'll have to wait and see. So my first prediction is the multiverse will survive in some way, by which I mean that by the end of the crisis. There's not just going to be one Earth.
1: Do you think it'll be 52?
0: Well, I don't know. So I don't, I don't know. So I, I go back and forth on exactly how they're going to do this. Because, of course, in the comics, that is what happened. Yeah. There was only one Earth. Now, here, I don't, think like, I don't think they have that option. Because they've established that, oh, here's the Smallville Earth. Here's the Birds of Prey Earth. Here's the Titans Earth. Titans is a show that is still going to be on the air. So they can't, they, they just gave Tom Welling... And so
1: will Black Lightning.
0: Right, They exactly. But, well, so uh, I'll get to that in a second. I feel like that that ties into my second prediction. But I feel like they can't completely wipe out the multiverse because they've established that all these beloved shows. Yeah. Like the earth where Burt Ward was walking his dog. They're not going to kill Burt Ward and not bring him back, <laughs> right? Like, not to say we're going to see him again in episode five. Right. But I feel like they're not going to say all your classic TV shows and movies no longer exist. There's only us, the CW. Like, right. that's, that's a bridge too far. So I don't think they can do what the comics did, which is boil it all down to one Earth. Now, that's not to say that they can't do some rejiggering, some con- some, some amalgamations, mm-hmm. but I think that unlike the crisis in the comics, this will end with maybe a reduced multiverse or maybe the characters are walled off, like the Earths are walled off from each other in some way. But I think it will end on a hopeful note that no, I, th- I think we might flash back to Tom Welling. We might flash back to Burt Ward or some of the other characters that we've seen and say no— Brandon Routh is safe back on his Earth, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's reunited Mm -hmm. with his son and everything else. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think they're going to completely wipe all these various characters from existence. That is what the comics did, and it was ballsy at the time. Yep. But I don't think they can do that here because there's so much history with all these other versions. Right. Now, my second prediction is the Supergirl characters will be relocated to the main Earth.
2: Oh. I think that
0: the fact that they've been on their own were Earth is a relic of the fact that you, the show used to be on a different network. Right. But they've made it so easy for characters to travel back and forth to her Earth that there's that basically a distinction without a difference anymore. And I think it would be a cool way to say, like, no, things are changing. Things are different, right? right. Worlds will live, worlds will die. I think that the... whether this So when I was watching this, I'm like, oh, they're literally destroying Earth-38 and the characters mm. are relocating to Earth-1. Yeah. I was right. But then every other Earth gets wiped out too. And obviously that can't stand, right? Right. So so I think the multiverse will be restored. But I think that much like what happened in the Crisis in the comics, where they took the main Earths, the main four or five Earths, the one that had the Justice Society, the one that had the the Marvel family, the one that had the Charlton Comics characters like Blue Beetle and Captain Adam, and they merged them all into one combined history on the new main Earth. I think they'll do that here. Mm -hmm. So I think that Supergirl and perhaps also Black Lightning, Mm -hmm. By the time the crisis is over, even if the multiverse is restored, Mm -hmm. those characters will live on Earth 1 and will always remember having lived on Earth 1. Because that's what the comics did. Jay Garrick never remembered living on Earth 2. So far as Jay Garrick and Barry Allen knew, they'd always lived on the same Earth, just separated by several decades. And I Mm -hmm. think this will be the same thing here. All the Supergirl characters will survive, but they'll be on the same Earth as Arrow and Flash and all those other shows. Mm -hmm. And for all the characters, remember, it'll always have been that way. Hmm. Because that's what the com- that's what the comics did, and I think that that's, that's a way to say this is a big change, right? Yeah. And it obviously opens up more story possibilities. Did they gain anything right now from having Supergirl be on its own earth? No. Not really. No. It is just a relic of the way yeah. it was originally broadcast. So I think that they can do that now. Black Lightning, a little different because it's more of its own thing. It was developed separately. It's shot in a different country. Yeah. So maybe. They go back to Earth, whatever Earth. We still don't have a number for them. Yeah, I don't um, even know what that Earth was. But So they might Earth not do was. that, but the Supergirl characters, I think at least relocated to whether it's still called Earth 1 or whether they call it New Earth uh-huh. or Earth Prime or Earth Zero, any of the number things that the main Earth has been called since then. Yeah. Um, that's So that's my second prediction. Supergirl characters relocated to main Earth. Probably, remember, always having been that way. Yep. Um Number three, Black Lightning will be established as taking place on another Earth. I feel like I called that one. Yep. Going into this, we didn't really know for a fact it was on another Earth. We right. sort of presumed that it was, but there was no solid indication either way because whenever Black Lightning characters would refer to other superheroes, mm-hmm. We, it was unclear whether they were referring to people that existed in the real world or people right. that they read about in comics. Yeah. And they would only refer to characters that were on the other CW shows mm-hmm. like Supergirl, Black Canary, Vixen, m- mostly other female characters they would talk about. Mm-hmm. Like are they talking about like celebrities that are, exist in their world or just fictional characters? Now we know, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I, I got this one. So the first two, too soon to call this one, I feel like I got. Number four. Um, this is another one that I feel like we'll have to wait and see. The deaths, and I, that's in air quotes, because what is death really on these shows? The <laughs> deaths of at least two series regulars. Two. So I, I think that there's going to be at least two characters who are series regulars.
1: Well, Stephen Amell is going to be die. one.
0: I, don't, I mean, can you really count that? I mean, if he de- he's died already, but he's also kind of back. But yeah, we know, but, but
1: he's going to go again. He's going to come back and may come may again. That's knows? my prediction. Well,
0: so this gets into one of my things later. So This is my prediction. At least two. Series. So I think that you know. Oliver Queen is sort of of a gimme in some ways. Also, maybe not because who knows how they're going to end his story. Are they going to end with him being some sort of like cosmic being? Is that really death? Who knows? But I think like literal deaths. I think that like, who knows, like Cisco and Brainy or something. Like just to pick two random characters die and are dead. Like I think that they, you know, I think that if everybody says, oh, it turns out Oliver kind of did survive in a cosmic way and Barry did survive in like a very literal way, all the portent and, and hand wringing about oh this crisis is going to have a major death toll will have been for nothing right yeah. I think this has to have a cost and yeah they could reciggle some of the Earths but I feel like main characters need to die for it to feel like it's something important has happened you mm-hmm. know and it's mm-hmm. cheap in some way but it's you know that's the way these things go you have a big crossover you kill a couple of characters whether it's Frost whether it's you know Lena Luther or whoever it is Lex Ooh. Luther you know, who, who knows? They, you know, obviously, they've got a lot of characters. But I feel like at least two series regulars. And I feel like Oliver is the only one that you could maybe give me a point for so far. But who knows? That might get reversed in some way that we don't expect. Right. So I feel like this one's too soon to call. Number five, this ties into what I was just saying. Oliver dies in a way that could allow him to return. So I feel like we, this kind of happened already, but it could happen again, right? Like right. he's died. He's kind of been brought back. But you're presuming he's going to die again in a more final way. But my prediction is that however he goes out, it will be in a way that leaves the door open for a possible return by him and like a guest appearance or something in the future without having to resort to, oh, it's a version of Oliver from the past or it's a version of Oliver from an alternate Earth. They could obviously still do that and it'd be a way to bring the actor back. But I feel like Oliver and Felicity are going to go off to whatever cosmic heaven we saw the monitor usher future felicity to at the end of last season but much like when earth 2 superman and lois and alexander luther of earth 3 and superboy prime were ushered off to their cosmic cabin at the end of *Christ's on infinite earths they were preserved because they were like this is the original superman and his wife this is you know we're not going to kill them off we don't want them to still exist anymore they're going off someplace where they can't they can never return, like, mm-hmm. but they have peace. But then eventually they did return, and I feel like there will be just a hint that maybe we haven't seen the last of, of Green Arrow. That's mm-hmm. that's my suspicion, mm-hmm. that it will end on a way like he's passed the mantle on to his daughter, he's inspired an entire generation of heroes, he's gone off to his reward with his wife, but maybe, you know, like King Arthur, yeah. when maybe if the wor- when the world needs him again, he might, there's Rise. a way for yeah. him to come back. That's my suspicion. Because Stephen Amell has said that, you know, these shows and these producers and this you know this character has given him so much yeah. that he feel like he'd be he'd be a complete ass if 5 years from now they called him up and said hey we're doing the final episode of the flash do you want to can you come and shoot a scene for us cuz i feel like it'd be really cool if he says of course i'm going to say yes right yeah. like this 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 show has given me so much that i could never not say yes to something like that right. so i feel like if he's game they're going to do it eventually yeah so. yeah and it could be like a past version or an alternate Earth. But I feel like that wouldn't be as powerful as having it be like yeah. the Oliver Queen. So that's that's our prediction. Okay, now we get into some that are a bit more gimme. So number six, Tom Welling will not wear a costume. <laughs> I got that one right. Yep. But who knows? He might show up again in the conclusion. As super, you know, He's been depowered, yeah. which we'll talk about. But who knows, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I got that one. Uh, number seven, we will hear the John Williams Superman theme and the Shirley Walker Batman theme.
1: We've heard pieces of both.
0: We heard the John Williams Superman theme. I feel like maybe we, I get we one... Sure,
1: we we didn't no, hear. We some heard of the, the Danny Walker. Elfman
0: we heard the Danny Elfman Batman theme. Mm. I feel like maybe you could give this to me because Batman the Animated Series used the Danny Elfman theme as the for the opening titles, but it is a different theme than the Shirley Walker's than Shirley Walker's Batman theme for the character in the context of the episodes. It wasn't the
1: But in the scene with Batwoman, you heard a little bit of it in the very beginning. when You heard Danny Elfman's the...
0: theme from from the movies, but that is which was used in Batman the animated series, but is not the theme composed by Shirley Walker for the cartoon. So I feel like you can't really give that one to me. It's you know those those are two different pieces of music, even if they were both used in the cartoon. So, but I did get I did call the John Williams one, yeah. Um, even though they said that they weren't able to get the rights to it, I felt like I, Something tells me that they're gonna try harder, and they were able. To, apparently, they were able to clear the rights at the last minute yeah. to use it, and they didn't just use the John Williams Superman theme, they used Can You Read My Mind when Brandon Rouse Clark Kent met Bitsy Tulloch's Lois Lane, right? You, and you, you noticed it too, do you remember? Um, so I feel uh-huh. like maybe you can mostly give that one to me. That's maybe like 0. 0.75 points or something. Um, number eight, this is another one that remains to be seen. We haven't gotten this. There, there'll be a nod to the DC Extended Universe, which is to say the current movie universe, you know, the Henry yeah. Cavill, Ben yeah. Affleck movie universe. Not to say that Ben Affleck is going to show up in this, but I feel like, they could like use some stock. They could use some footage from one of the movies and cut to that. You know, mm-hmm. much like they cut to like Hawk and Robin, and at the beginning of the first episode on the Titans Earth, right? And I think they, that that oh, was. Yes. I think that was just footage from a Titans episode. Yeah. I think they could do the same thing here with Henry Cavill, and that would be so cool to see that on TV. But it's not going to be right. new footage. But I feel like there will be a nod to the fact that that is the current movie universe. Exists, You know, Gal Gadot shows up for two seconds or something, but it's just footage from Wonder Woman, but still establishes that she's out there somewhere. You know what I mean? Haven't gotten it yet. Might get it. I feel like that's an obvious thing to do if they were able. I'm sure they tried uh, to get the rights to be able to do that, but who knows? Um, Number nine, this is just, this is like my bugbear, but I don't know if this, the, there will be the, by the end of this, there will be an explanation for, even though Green Arrow and the Canaries is going to take place in 2040, there will be an explanation for why Dinah and Laurel won't have to wear old age makeup. I'm going to continue to harp on this because I really don't <laughs> think they're going to do that. Yeah. So maybe whatever new future exists as a result of time yeah. travel shenanigans here, are um, Dinah and Laurel have to go to the future with Mia to help her and so that's why they can continue to be young and attractive <laughs> like I, I, I continue to
1: be young I still
0: don't think they're going to put those two actresses in, in goofy old, old age makeup, makeup. for seven yeah. years yeah. I just don't think they're going to do it yeah. so I think that this crossover will somehow give them now I could still be wrong about this because who knows the final episode of Arrow might explain this but technically that's not part of Crisis right so Crisis might not explain this right. there might still be an explanation so I might not get this one um and so this is another one that remains to be seen. Although I've gotten part of this so far. So number ten, final prediction: unannounced guest stars. One from the classic movies, mm-hmm. one more from the DC animated universe, and at least one from the DC universe streaming shows. So I'm two for three so far, right? Because we got um, Robert Wool as uh, as Knox from the from Batman '89, right? From the first Tim Burton Batman movie. In fact, he was the very oh. first character we saw yes. sitting on the bench reading a yes. newspaper, right? So we got him. Yep. Bit of a, you know, C-list character, but still they got him, right?
2: Hey, and he we had got many lines. And
0: we got one from the DC universe, right? Because we got Hawk and Robin in that same opening sequence, yep. right? We knew about Burt Ward, so obviously that's a gimme. We haven't gotten anyone else in the DC animated universe. I'm still waiting for like Tim Daly or George Newbern or like, um, I, I mean, if, if, uh, if uh, Phil Lamar shows up as Malefic, does that count? Doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, but he's not playing the character that he played. You know what I mean? He'd have to show up in a Green Lantern costume, which would be awesome. Green Martian. No, Phil Lamar would show up as a Green Lantern. Lantern. Carol Um, Umbley would show up in in green makeup. But Phil Lamar (laughs) would show up in a Green Lantern costume. Um, So that hasn't happened yet. I feel like, obviously, Kevin Conroy, we knew. That doesn't count. I meant one more in addition to him.
1: Do you think we're going to get a Green Lantern?
0: No, I don't think they, <sighs> they if they were gonna get the be able to get the rights. Although who know I is never a thought they get the rights to do Batman or Superman. So I don't know. No, I mean they've hinted at stuff like that, but I don't think they're actually oh gonna do it. Not here anymore. Anyway. So I get the point. So I don't think there's any of these where I've been out and out wrong yet. You know um but obviously there's still two more parts i feel like i think feel like i did pretty good though right like most of these have are, are i've either gotten already yep or are distinct possibilities or are like certainly looking like locks right yeah so i feel like i could come out of this with like an 8 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 certainly yep. um okay so what do you think so did i do pretty good on those you did pretty good some of those were kind of gimmies you know like tom welling is not going to wear a costume right like he fought against that for 10 years they're not going to get him in one now for five minutes right right um and stuff like Black Lightning taking place on another Earth. I feel like I had like a ninety percent chance of getting that. Yeah. One right. um, okay, so let's talk about the actual the actual episode. So I did not even know where to start with this because we got three whole episodes, four if you count Black Lightning. Um, so we definitely got. I mean, get the easy fan servicey stuff out of the way. We got a bunch of cameos we didn't know were coming. The Robert Wool thing is Knox um, that had been that had leaked. So I kind of oh, okay. I suspected that was going to happen. Burt Ward we knew. Mm-hmm. Surprising to see hawk and robin in there but i felt like again that's kind of that would be easy to do yeah um we knew ashley scott as huntress Mm -hmm. from the birds of prey series we got that um we got a little bit of uh, Dina Meyer as as Oracle in her earpiece, though. And I don't know if that was new dialogue that the actress recorded or whether they just repurposed some dialogue from the old show. Right. I don't have the old show memorized, so I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, we knew about, obviously, Brandon Routh's Kingdom Come Superman. Yep.
2: Um, that was great. Which
0: is apparently the same as Superman Returns Superman, which was unclear to me before whether yeah. they'd just be a different version of Superman that he's playing.
1: Yeah, but they clarified it. Um, we knew it, yeah.
0: about Kevin Conroy. We knew about Burt Ward. Yeah. Um, who else am I forgetting? Oh, Will Wheaton shows up for five seconds. I
1: know that was great. Which isn't just
0: which is which <laughs> seems random, but he has played. He played Aqualad in Teen Titans. He played Cosmic Boy in the Legion cartoon. Oh, so great. he's oh, there you go. There's your you one go. more from the kind of, hey. from the cartoons. Although technically, he wasn't Teen Titans, the Titans and Legion of Superheroes were not part of the DC Animated Universe. They were DC cartoons, but they weren't part of the Bruce Timm. But also, he oeuvre. was not
1: playing the character because you would have won it with Phil Lamar.
0: Yeah, but so I feel like that's the I feel actor. Like okay. That's the actor. So I feel like that's you know maybe it could get anyway. But we'll see. I mean, I I, I don't feel like that's I don't feel you like I deserve nebulous that one. Rules for this. Maybe maybe it counts. Um, let's see. Am I forgetting anybody else? We knew about Black Lightning, obviously. Yeah. Um, we knew about John Wesley Ship coming back as the Flash from Earth ninety. Yep. Um, I think that I'm. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I think that's most of it, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, but.
1: We didn't get Mark Hamill. Uh,
0: no. I mean, there, obviously, there's a couple ways you could go with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was sort of my thinking when I said one more from the DC animated universe, mm-hmm. having Mark Hamill back as the trickster, or, I mean, they're not going to have the Joker show up on the show, because if they could, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't think they're, I'm not even sure they're allowed to, to say the word Joker, but I think that, um, yeah, <laughs> that would have been a, well, one way to go, is have, like, you see Flash 90 fighting against the trickster one more time, you know? um. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I don't really have any any sort of linear way of approaching this. I mean, just maybe just start talking about random scenes that we liked. But I mean, the the, the death of the Flash from Earth ninety was. Cool. I love
1: his. I love that they found footage from the Flash TV show. Well, it's show not like they had to ago. go digging no, for know, or something. I know, but still, they that found was apparently a really something nice they thought
0: to. of. I was reading an interview. That's something they they decide at the last minute, like in editing. Mm-hmm. It's like you know what? Let's sort of do a thing where it's like his life is flashing before his eyes. Like he referenced Tina, which yeah. was his love interest, and of course we've seen her. Uh-huh. Much in the same way that they had John Wesley Shipp play Henry Allen and Jay Garrick. They had the actress whose name I can't remember who played Tina McGee. We've seen Tina McGee on there's Earth One Tina McGee. We've seen her several times. The the head of the sort of rival science corporation. Okay. Do you do you no, recall I have no this? Idea what she's you're been on the about. show four or five times. She's like, you know, she looks, you know, like she's in her fifties or sixty now and she's the head of another Science Corporation in Central City. Oh, they've they've okay. come across her several times. Didn't
1: Killer Frost? Uh, sorry, didn't Caitlin? Uh, Not the
0: same as Killer Frost's mother. Different character.
1: I understand. D- uh, yeah,
0: she used to work for her, I think, or yeah, something what like I was that. Saying. Yeah, yeah. Like and they've done other things too. Like they had something. a guy that played uh, a cop in the old Flash show, played the mayor on this one. and He was supposed to be the same character. And then of course they had Mark Hamill, and then they had the char- the woman who was Mark Hamill's henchwoman back in the day come back also as the mother of the new Trickster. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they they've done a lot of stuff. What's cool about this is is that they could have just had Burt Ward show up. They could have, and I guess they kind of did. What's but her they, name?
1: Terry? I can't remember. It,
0: who? The actress? What? Who?
1: The the one, the tri- trickster's.
0: Oh, I don't remember.
1: X slash new trickster's mom. It doesn't mom. matter.
0: Um, they could have just had, I mean, they already had Brandon Routh on the show, but they could have had Kevin Conroy show up in some some role. You know, they could have had Brandon Routh show up in some role. I mean, obviously he's already on the shows. But what's cool is that they didn't just have Brandon Routh show up in some role or whatever like Brandon Routh is playing for all we can tell the the an older version of the character he played in Superman Returns mm-hmm. Tom Welling didn't just show up in the background of a shot yeah. this is I mean depending on how you look at it I guess you could say like there's n- there's nothing telling you that this has to be canon to Smallville right if you don't like what they did with his character here yeah it's sort of you can sort of consider it to, to be separate from Smallville but I think the intention on the part of the writers and the part of the actors is that this is the same Clark Kent that he played on Smallville Mm -hmm. this is the same Huntress that Ashley Scott played 15 years ago this is the same I mean this isn't the same Batman that Kevin Conroy played It's none of the versions of Batman that he's played so I guess that's an exception there but this is the Superman Returns Superman he references you know he references his son Jason which is a character that has not existed by that name in any other version of Superman you know they've kind of taken the Superman returned Superman and given him the Kingdom Come Superman's fate and costume, but it's still supposed to be the same guy, you know? And that, that's cool. Like, they could have just had these actors show up in random roles, but instead they sort of canonized all these disparate versions. You know, like, nobody... I mean, this is un, unkind, but it's also kind of true. Nobody really cares that much about the 2003 or whatever it was, Birds of Prey show. Nobody cared no, about it when yeah. it was on. Nobody really remembers it very fondly now. But... It's nice to have, you know, like they bring the bring the actress back, have her play like, and she doesn't look twenty years older either. I'll no. <laughs> she she looked maybe twenty two at the time, but she doesn't look like she's in her forties now to me no. anyway. So, you know. But but do you know what I mean? Like it's it's you could have just had brought these actors back for cheap cameos. Right. But instead, they took the time to say let, let if we could see the, the Brandon Mouse Superman one more time, if yeah. we could see the Tom Welling Clark Kent one more time, what what what's what one story would you like? Should, right. could we tell with them? Like, if we had to tell the ending What's of the, the Tom Welling What's the moment Kent, we could yeah. give those characters? What is the definitive and, ending yeah. we could give for that character? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they I, put a lot of I, heart into and it. And I still think that part five is going to end with one more shot of some of these earths to, to reassure agree, us that Tom yeah. Welling is still living his happy ending yep. on the farm, that Brandon Routh has gone back to the Daily Planet, you know? Yep. Um, I still think we're going to see that. But uh, but I think that that was nice. And, and so to hear the actor, like John Wesley Shipp, apparently, like... He was he was emotional at this. He's like he went to the writers He's like thank you for letting me finish this. Yeah. Like like we got one season yeah. 25 years ago and I never thought I'd get to play this character again. Thank you for for letting me complete that arc. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Cuz that was such a, you know, He that to get a starring role as the Flash on TV for a relatively unknown actor, like that would have been a big deal to him. And he didn't exactly have a huge career after that. So he must have felt like, man, like we had something there, and I'm never going to get it. It could have really been something special, but we never got the chance to build on it, you know? And to come back later, and not just to take part in something like this, but to give that character such a a loving send off, such a heroic send off, right? Where he literally passes the torch. Not literally, I suppose. Sorry, I hate it when people misuse that phrase. But he passes the torch to our Barry Allen and right. says, "You know, I'm going to take your place. I'm going to do this. Let me do this, right? Yeah. Like, and he goes out the way that Barry did in the comics, right? Like, yeah. he runs so fast to destroy the anti antimatter cannon that he usually that he literally disintegrates. It's exactly the way Flash died, yep. you know, 30 years ago in Crisis on Infinite Earths. So he got that ending, and he and you know he flashes back to his wife, you know, who's yep. the character that he you know was his love interest 25 years ago, and I guess they got married because he says that, Uh, she's his wife now and you know he got to bring it into the character and he was he was emotional about it you know he went to the writer said thank you for letting me finish this you know I never thought I'd get a chance so it's cool and and Tom Welling you know Tom Welling has a complicated relationship with that role like he he sort of viewed it in an interesting way where he didn't see himself as playing Superman he never wanted to put the costume on that was the way that he was able to get into that role saying I'm playing this person named Clark Kent I'm not playing this superhero this this cartoon character basically right um so I mean, I'm of mixed I'm of mixed minds about what they did with his character here because ten years of Smallville, the build up, the constant build up of characters, everybody telling him that he had this huge destiny. Jor El was telling him, Jonathan was telling him, everybody, people from the future, the Legion, Booster Gold,
2: mm-hmm. everybody
0: was telling him he had this huge destiny. And in ten years of build up, he finally becomes Superman. And the very next time we see him, oh, he was Superman for a few years and then he gave up his powers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that. Eh, like yeah something doesn't sit right about that but obviously he gets a happy ending which is great yep. we do know that he was superman because the final episode of smallville mm-hmm. ended with him becoming superman and then it jumped forward seven years mm-hmm. and he was still superman and he and lois were finally about to get married and mm-hmm. luther had just become president which they reference here mm-hmm. um so this is about a year or two after that so he's only been without powers for a short period of time he had a career of seven or eight years as superman mm-hmm. which is not nothing and now he gets to retire there was the whole Smallville season eleven comic, um, which may or may not be canon. Here they don't really do anything to to include it, but they also don't do anything to refute it. Where he, you know, had a bunch of adventures as Superman and formed a Justice League and all this other stuff that they never got to do on the show. Um, and now he gets to now he gets to just retire. So, but the 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 pedant in me remembers the times in Smallville where they hinted that much like some versions of Superman where he basically ages very slowly or doesn't age at all, Uh that he would live forever and that he would be Superman for literally like hundreds of years and he would become like this legend. Like Uh there was literally a character in a very early season whose power was, his his kryptonite power was, when he touched you, he could see the moment of your death. And so he touched Lana and he saw her like dying in bad old age with like her husband Mm -hmm. by her side or whatever. and he touched like Lex Luther and he saw something like really ominous I can't remember like I think Mm -hmm. it was like him standing in and some of them were like more symbolic than others Luther was like standing in his like his white suit and he was wearing one black glove which is a reference to the comics where he wore the kryptonite ring for so long that he got cancer in his hand and had to have it amputated and that's why he wore one black glove he was standing in his field of flowers and then they all turned black Mm -hmm. and it was like supposed to show that he becomes like you know, like the mm-hmm. ultimate evil, like death. But then when he touched Clark, all, all you saw, and this was like one of the first times you saw any hint of any Superman iconography whatsoever. He touched Clark and what you saw was like a fluttering red cape. It's like mm-hmm. in space or something moving towards infinity. And the, what the character said to Clark was like, for you, I didn't see an end. It's like you go on forever or something. And I always remember that line. I'm like, oh, that's such a cool line. Yeah. Like Superman, like even after, like, kind of like that Tom King Superman story in Action 1000, even, even when the sun dies and Earth burns out, Superman will still be there, you know? Yeah. And there's something cool about the fact that he was like the last Kryptonian. I know we're getting super hung up on a five-minute cameo out of it, on all these episodes, but, you know, I did watch Smallville for 10 years. Um, something cool about the fact that Superman was the last son of Krypton and he carries all of Krypton with him to Earth, right? He brings the, brings the best of Krypton to Earth and combines it with the best of humanity that he learns from, his, from the Kents, right? Mm-hmm. And even billions of years from now, when Earth dies out, he does the same thing again. He carries he he you know whether yeah. he's the last of humanity whether humanity is, is moved out into the stars you know and mm-hmm. done whatever the whole Star Trek thing but even when Earth dies he will take the best of humanity with him and mm-hmm. move on and still be Superman just like just like he carried Krypton with him now he's going to carry Earth with him even when Earth is gone right mm-hmm. the idea that Superman goes on forever and and you know Superman will never die kind of thing I I this there's a bit of that that I like and so when they hinted at that in Smallville I'm like oh that's really cool mm-hmm. this seemingly Flies in the face of that. Yeah. But obviously, there's any number of ways. I don't think we're ever going to get any closure on. I think this is the closure, right? right this is the right. last time Tom Welling's going to play the character. But if you want, in your mind, obviously, there's any number of ways. You can imagine <laughs> you can get he gets his powers his pow- back. It happened yeah. in Superman 2. He gave up his powers to be with Lois, and then 10 minutes later, he realized he needed <laughs> them back. So he went to the fortress and he got them back, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe he gets like 10, 15 years of retirement here to be with Lois and raise his kids, and then there's some new threat and he yep. has to get his powers back and then he has them till the end of time or something like that. You right. can easily imagine a way that they could yep. sc- that they could put those two together. But and I do think that it is nice. Obviously he gets his happy ending. Erica Durant shows up as Lois yep. one more time. Obviously not hard to get her. She was already there as a, as Allura in the first part. Yep. Um but he gets the happy ending and there's something appropriate about the fact like if he'd shown up in the suit in the superman suit that would be cool because we waited like 20 years to see that but there would be something wrong about it too because that was never you know his intention that was never who he played he played clark kent Mm -hmm. a person you know a human basically a person right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so there's something fitting about the fact that when we see him one last time he is now fully human and he's still not wearing the suit and we'll never see him wear the suit he's he's like the one version of superman that even though he was superman we never got to see it he he was clark kent a, a normal kid Mm-hmm. kind of still although his powers were developing when we first met him and when we see him for the last time he is clark kent more human than ever mm-hmm. and yet still recognizably superman you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. like there's something poetic about that and so i do kind of like it and he was great he had the theme where lex luther shows up and he's like you don't look like lex luther like yeah. he doesn't look You're like michael lex. rosenbaum you know what i mean yeah it's yeah. like what well, the president is in town right because he's supposed to be president yeah. um and luther that was cool i mean john cryer was great in all of these but he's like so weird on this Earth, Superman is Clark Kent. Yeah, that would be unthinkable where I come from. This um, guy
1: has yeah, something can barely read. He has his glasses. And Tom so Welling thick. is yeah, so something. great
0: here. Like he's just like in some ways, it's like a little, it's a little stone faced because he's. He's not like getting super emotional or anything about that. But he's like, he's bemused by the whole thing. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I've I've, I've been seeing this stuff since I was 13 years old. You know what I mean? (laughs) Back then it was like meteors and and people with crazy powers that they got from the meteors. And this guy that was like a bug sometimes. And this lady who who was played by Amy Adams that tried to like eat my best friend. When I was in high school and then, like, I was Superman and now I'm, like, living on this farm and here's Lex Luthor from an alternate Earth. Okay, he's been to alternate Earth. Heck, they did a thing where he went to an alternate Earth with basically Smallville's version of Earth 2 where Clark was raised by the Luthers. Do you do you have any recollection no. of that? I think they may have even called it Earth 2. Oh, that's um, So he's, he's not not even any stranger to the multiverse, right? Right. He's seen all this stuff before and he's like yeah, okay, a different version of Lex Luthor, fine. He, like, punches him. And
1: yeah, <laughs> was, like, still stronger, though. Yeah, he's, like, <laughs> yeah.
2: So and I like funny. the fact that
0: different versions of Lois Lane are, like, kind of attracted to versions of Superman that are not their husbands, right? Yeah. Like, like, like Bitsy Tullock's Lois Lane is, like kind of turned on by tom welling and she's also kind of attracted to brandon routh as superman yeah, right
2: yeah
0: um and it's like that's kind of wrong but i mean it makes sense right it's the yeah. same guy he just looks different so yeah. you know what i mean yeah um anyway so I, it's a long time to talk about that one smallville scene but i did really enjoy that i mean that's like the one version of the it's like the one character we see here that i feel like we have the most investment in. Yeah. Like, Burt Ward obviously is great, but how emotionally are we invested in Burt Ward's Robin's character arc? You know right. what I mean?
1: Well, I mean, I'm sorry, but for my money, my favorite, favorite, favorite scene of what you're talking about where you have a, a big... Are you say big Kevin get- Conroy? Of course, I'm going to say Kevin Conroy. Yeah, Con- but he's Conroy. not playing...
0: Uh, he was awesome, but he's not playing... What I'm saying is it's cool to see Brandon Bell Superman Fair. one more time. It's cool to see Tom Welling's Clark Kent one more time. Right. This is not a version of Batman that Bruce, that, that uh, Kevin Conroy has ever played before. It's no. kind of the closest right. to maybe like... Uh, old Bruce from Batman Beyond, where he's like bitter and he's. he's I mean, hobbled. maybe from the cartoons, but this is like but no, a bloodthirsty, also keep in murderous mind, version. Keep of in
1: him. mind, he's done like countless video games too, and you don't know what kind of incarnations they did there.
0: Well, I know, but it, but this is not like when you think of like oh, the classic version of Batman is portrayed by Kevin Conroy. This is nothing like that. Nope. You know, this is like a combination of Batman Beyond and Kingdom Come and Dark Knight Returns, kind of, where Superman was his enemy and he tried to kill him. You know what I mean? Yep. There's, and he even has a line from Dark Knight Returns, right? The world only makes sense when you force it to yeah so it's like all versions of grizzled older bruce wayne kind of combined into one um but he was here to serve a specific story purpose right it like is. he wasn't just here. that's the other cool thing here is like the tom welling thing was kind of fan servicey you yeah. know what i mean like it, you didn't need him in there and i don't blame them for that because when I And I've read a bunch of interviews where they talked about how to write these. It's like we had to write it in a modular way. Because right oh, yes. up until the last minute, we didn't know who we were going to get. Yeah. So we had to write like, okay, if we can get Tom Welling, we'll include this scene. But if we can't, we won't, right? Right. So you couldn't have that scene st- serve an important story purpose. Kevin Conroy, I feel like they're locked down early on. And you need that scene or something similar to it to forward Kate's character arc. Exactly. And Kara's yeah. too, to a certain yeah. extent.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um that's part of what was cool about that is like the scene. That scene wasn't about oh cool here's Kevin Conroy. That scene was about forwarding Kate's arc. right? Um, which was which was really cool.
1: And I really like that Luke got to play a really altered alternate version of himself.
0: Yeah, it was great. But, it's like, but why is He's he like there? Dark and... Is he like just why is he have shirtless Luke Fox hanging around the Wayne Manor like He's that just was there. weird. Um, and I feel like they haven't really done a lot with it yet. Like, obviously, it's amazing to see Brandon Routh play Superman again. But I hope that they, they make that be important. Because I feel like they must have known early on that they had him too, right? Because yes, he's already course. on their shows. I feel like there's such a cool thing to tell there with the fact that he's had a son for... I mean, God, Jason must be how old now? He must be, like,
2: like in college yeah. or something,
0: right? Whereas here's, I want to say, our Lois and Clark. You know what I mean? Like... Right. <laughs> the, just had a baby. Here, here's Tyler Hecklin. But it's tell like they just had a, had a baby, baby, right? There's so <laughs> many scenes you could tell where you could forward their arc yeah. as new parents by having them talk to him about that, right? Like, I hope that they get something like that. Um, but um. I mean, oh, see, Brandon Routh is Superman again. Like, I almost feel like it's unfair to Tyler Hecklin, <laughs> you know? Because he's, I mean, I, I love Tyler Hecklin as Superman, right? He's not as tall, he's not as buff. He doesn't have the chiseled jawline and I feel like you put two of them side by side and, and Tom Welling's in there too and Tom Welling is also more like classically Superman looking. You know, we've talked about yeah. this before. I really like T- Tyler Hecklin in the role. I love Tyler Hecklin in the role, but he doesn't, if you, he has a bit more of like a, a bit of an everyman face. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, he's built, but he's not like Brandon Routh built either or Tom Welling built. You know yeah. what I mean? So I feel like you put him there in that scene and he kind of feel like, he feels like the lesser Superman. Did mm. you get that sense? No. Mm. I mean and I know exactly I know it's, exactly un- what I know you're, it's unfair. Yeah, Maybe it's just because saying, like but... I I watched Superman Returns, you know, when it came out and it's like, oh man, I really want to, you know, if they ever got to do a sequel to that movie. The way they shot it really did them both. He's the new credit. kid, so
1: I think the way they shot it into if I could put on my film filmmaker hat here for a second. I mean, obviously the disparity in height could really make that that imagery of dwar- one dwarfing the other um, prominent, but the way they shot the fight scenes, the way they shot um, the close ups and the the conversations that they had, like you could notice that their difference in height, but it wasn't an issue. It was like uh, the the characterization, the 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 framing and the shot composition like didn't highlight it, yeah. let's put it's it not that way.
0: Just the height. I mean, I think I think you have to admit that in some of those big group shots where you see all the, all of our heroes standing there uh-huh. and you see Brandon Rouse standing there in that costume. You know, with yeah. his with his arms crossed or his hands at his hips. Yeah. And then you see Tyler Heckland standing there, you're like, I don't know, there's something more powerful that uh, in, in that costume, with that carrying that history with him and with that bearing, I feel like there's just something more iconic and powerful about Brandon Routh's Superman on screen hmm. than there is about Tyler Heckland's. You know what I mean? Like when you look when I look at those shots, I'm like, Oh my god, look at that guy. Like he look Brandon like he looks like Superman, you know? Right he's just it's the physique it's the it's the height it's the bearing it's the presence and tyler hecklin he's wearing he's wearing the suit and i really like him in the character but i don't get that i don't get that visceral thrill from like oh my god like there's superman standing next to the flash you know what i mean it just it doesn't it doesn't feel the same i don't know it's and i think it's a lot of things i think it's like I think Brandon Routh is wearing a more classic Superman suit with the red trunks and the lighter colors and everything else. And I think the fact that it's Brandon Routh, who <laughs> you know we have more experience with, and I you know has been has played has a longer history with the character, and the same with Tom Welling. Like I don't know, it's uh, to me it's just, but it's it's you know not like you have to have one or the other. That's that's what's cool about this, you right. know. And we've seen Brandon Routh for hundreds of hours of TV at this point. Tyler Hecklin we've seen for like five, so right. it's it's not quite the same. And it, you know I I still love him in the role, but to me. And you know, it's not meant as a criticism. I, I just think it's so cool that we get to see Brandon Routh's Superman one more time. With you know, and he gets to play Clark Kent too. And we you know, he gets to reference his son. And he's the editor in chief in the Daily Planet now. Mm-hmm. They use the music. You know, it's yeah. it's 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 all just, together. It's just it's cool. Great. Like I never yeah. imagined that. Much in the same way that it was a thrill for for um, John Wesley Ship to play the Flash one more time. Yeah. Like Brandon Routh must have. God, imagine you, but you he got did, to play though. Superman he... in in a huge movie. Yeah. and then that's it you get to do it once yeah. you know what I mean yeah. like how, how crushed must he have been to know that he would never get to play that character again yeah. it must be. It must have been so amazing for him to, to get to do that now
1: but that's exactly what he was saying in the behind the scenes thing that we watched yeah. it, it, just alone there but I mean I know you sent me like a couple interviews here and there where he said exactly the same thing how thrilled he is to, to revisit the character and how much thought uh, he put into what that person would be doing now what that character yeah. would be feeling where they would be in their life like what would bring yeah, them to this we're place lucky. how he loved kingdom come before yeah. he i mean like as a fan coming into this um just he he
0: i i've always said this i feel like we've been <sighs> cool. we've been extraordinarily lucky for the uh, to get the actors we've had to play I superman because because there's not a single one of them that's been like a jerk behind the scenes like you hear Henry Cavill talk in interviews like we've had our issues with the movies he's been in but you hear him talk in interviews and he loves the character and he just wants so much to play the character again and do the character justice to the fans because he knows that that the other movies he was in were hit and miss you know what I mean he just wants to he wants to play that classic smiling iconic bright Superman character right and who knows if he will or not and that's you know I, I feel so sorry for him I mean Christopher Reeve. I mean even in the animation, right? Tim Daly and George Newbern, I don't know as much about, you know, what they're like behind the camera, but in interviews and stuff, they've always seemed like great guys. Brandon, you hear Brandon Mouth and Tyler Hecklin talk in the interview footage we watched yesterday, and they're yeah. talking about what they think Superman, you know, how they approach the character yeah. and 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 what he means and you hear Tyler Hecklin talk about it and he's just they both have such a great take on the character. Yeah. Tyler Hecklin's like, you know, I just see him as a guy Who's trying to do he's trying to help in the, in the best way that he can and he has these powers and that's how he can be of service mm-hmm. but if he didn't have these powers and for the people out there that don't have powers he would just want them to do the best they can too and he doesn't see himself as better than anybody else he's just using what he has yeah. what makes His him gifts, unique to yeah. help as best he can and yeah. that's exactly right and brandon routh same thing like they both yeah they both really get it and christopher reeve Really got it, yeah. You know, and and I feel like, and Henry Cavill really gets it. I yeah. just feel like we've been lucky, like you know what I mean. Like, did <laughs> Bell Kilmer really get Batman? Did George Clooney really get Batman? Maybe I don't. I don't know. I haven't heard them speak on the subject as much. Right. But I wouldn't put a ton of money on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, George Clooney seems like a great guy. Yeah. But did he did he understand fully the Batman? Car- One could argue he wasn't even playing the Batman <laughs> character, but you know what I mean. Right? Yeah, yeah. Kevin Conroy gets Batman. Yeah, but not every I don't feel like you could say the same about every version exactly. like did Adam West really get the classic version of Batman he wasn't being asked to play that character no. really so no. I don't know Kevin Conroy did maybe most of the others didn't but I feel like the actors that have been asked to play Superman we've been extraordinarily lucky Tom Welling for for all of his you know interesting idiosyncrasies sort of somewhat um, partitioned approach to the character yeah um, still understood Clark Kent like he, un- he yes. understood who Clark Kent is and in, in, in a way that sort of st- is a bit eccentric in the way that he didn't see yes, his version of Clark Kent as yes. a superhero. Mm-hmm. But in a way, that's that's fitting, too, because he doesn't see himself as a superhero. You know, when you think back to, to the movie, I say the movie as if there's only been one. But really, there's only been one Superman movie. Right. We all know which one that was. It's the first Christopher Reeve movie. Yeah. When Superman. Lois Lane says, who are you? He doesn't yeah. say I'm a superhero or I'm here to save the world. He says a friend. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they all get that. And Tom Welling got that, too. He was just a, he was just a, a confused kid trying to figure himself out and help who he could along the way. And that was always who who he was. You know what I mean? He didn't yeah. see himself as a superhero. Anyway, I, I, you know, if there's ever been if there's ever been fodder for me to ramble about my my <laughs> history and and, and, uh, and takes on DC characters, this is it. But I feel like they've also been doing a good job. Um, <laughs> and they said they wanted to give each of the main characters, you know, by which you mean, you know. White Canary, Batwoman, Flash, uh-huh. Green Arrow. I'm forgetting somebody. Um, I'm missing one of the shows, aren't I? Supergirl, so. Batwoman, Flash. No, that's all five White Canary and Green Arrow. White Canary sort of being the, you know, right, the, the, head, the head of, of, of the Legends of Tomorrow. Legends Most of, of Tomorrow. the legends aren't even in, in this so far, as a matter of fact. Um, Wait, what are you
2: forgetting? No, you that's all five. Him.
0: I mean, Black Lightning's there, but he's not really one of I their, their characters, so to speak. But they wanted to give all five of the main characters an arc. They didn't mm-hmm. just want it to be like, oh, everybody's here. I feel like they've done a better job than other than like Oliver. Clearly, there's Oliver's clearly something going on with him. We haven't, it has we don't really have the shape of it yet. Yeah, I feel like it's going to come to a head in the next part, which is the actual Arrow episode. Um, Barry's arc seems to be like this is the final time, and he, you know, is he finally willing to sacrifice himself when the time comes? And he was, right? Yeah. He was, you know, he they he had the full measure of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was willing to do it. It's just that. This other guy knocked him out and took his spot, right? Yeah. But I feel like that's kind of his his arc. Like he, when when the time came, he was actually willing to say goodbye to Iris and go off mm-hmm. and meet his destiny. It's just the place. and she
1: was really powerful in that moment too because yeah. she didn't want to leave his side and she she was bringing the the same conversation. Oh man, that was a really the, beautifully the, written scene. Yeah. That was a really beautifully written scene about how she was the one to connect to Ryan Choi because he was. On her page in terms of the instincts to want to spend Armageddon the last few minutes of creation and existence with your family, with the people that you love. And that's where he was going and that's what he wanted to do. And she understood that impulse because just moments before, that scene is just so perfect. She was she was wanting to be by barry's yeah, side we like this is Ra- that
0: talk about ryan choy too an oh it's so good but yeah they said that they wanted to give char- characters that you wouldn't necessarily expect to have as big of a role as they did like iris and, she did, yeah. like iris mm-hmm. and lois and they said they like, also wanted to team up iris and lois like the two star reporters cool. of of the arrowverse basically right yeah, and have yeah. them go off on their own little adventure which they basically did right yeah um and that that's been great um what was the thing oh yeah so 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 yeah so that's I feel like that's Barry's thing Oliver's thing we still don't I mean I guess Oliver's thing was kind of similar like is he willing to sacrifice himself obviously yes but there's still a lot more to be told there obviously um Kara's thing seemingly so far seems to be she loses her home again what will she do to bring it back will she yeah will she risk everybody's safety will she risk her own sanity will she do you know do a dangerous thing or will she just continue to say like I'm not going to take this risk I'm going to be a beacon of hope for the future but i'm not going to like sacrifice who i am Mm -hmm. to bring them back and i feel like that's kind of been her arc um kate's arc has sort of like her her, she's got like a lot of stuff going on she's like because she's the she's the rookie here right so her thing is like do i measure up to these people like do i even belong here um do i have the courage for this because she's the 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 paragon of courage right isn't that her thing yes We should talk about the whole Paragon thing also, but she's like, she's the Paragon of Courage. So her whole thing, like, does she have the courage to meet this challenge? Does she have the courage to look in the face of this, like, disillusioned, grizzled version of her cousin and see all the dark things that he's done and still carry on and I feel like they were smart to give Kate and Kara a bunch of scenes together they said they want to really lean into the whole I gender flip one of them, gender flip world's yes, finest I felt thing.
1: that one of them was repetitive like they wanted a scene there to... there
0: are some scenes here that feel like yeah. they wanted to give each of these characters a beat in each episode and in some cases they didn't have enough story there to have it be a distinct beat I felt like there yeah, was one too many scenes with Barry and Iris also because I feel they literally yes. did the mm-hmm. whole they used the phrase running home to you fully three times and yeah. I feel like by the end I was like how cool, would it been, yeah. how cool would it have been if they'd called that back when they were reunited and they, but they hadn't called it back already. If that was the first time we'd heard it since yeah. he proposed, yeah. right? Yeah. Then the longtime fans would have gotten it but instead they said it twice already in their goodbye scene. I'm like, yes, we know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like there were some superfluous scenes there. But yeah, and I also like, yeah, they give Kate and Kara a lot of scenes together as like a gender flip world's finest thing. The cool thing about them is that they're um, they're sort of being informed by each other, right? Like Kate is being inspired by Kara's hope, and Kara is being inspired by Kate's courage. it's yep. a lot of k sounds in that sense. <laughs> um, but that's really cool. And again, one p- potential reason to have Supergirl and their characters relocated to Earth One yep. is you could team them up a lot more, which I feel like everybody would like. I to like
1: see. the I like the Kryptonite. Um, uh, yeah, context you got a whole. Well. Obviously,
0: there's a ton of history about a yeah. bad character carrying around Kryptonite in case they need to stop a super character. There's even a lot of history about. Superman saying, if not giving Batman the kryptonite, then saying that he's aware of it, but saying if there's one person I trust to stop me, if it comes to it, it's you. You know what so I mean?
1: Filmmaker Gulia here again. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Ruby Rose for her reaction shot when Kara accepts her point, In when they're talking in the captain's quarters and Kara accepts that in order to like...
0: Mm, oh, oh, I just literally, man. while you were talking, I just literally thought of three more cameos we need to talk okay. about the Fisher Sins.
1: Okay. Um... No pressure. Um, no, in in the uh, in the captain's room, there they're they're talking about how if Kara decides to take the risk on her own sanity, it's not just her own sanity that she's risking. She's risking the success of the mission and the entire multiverse as a whole. Because if she goes down, they can't execute whatever right. it is the anti monitor exactly is doing. And Kara takes that point into consideration and changes her mind in that moment. And Ruby Rose's reaction shot in that scene in that moment was really 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 well done and i it stuck with me it was a it was the perfect reaction and i feel like it would have been
0: it would have been to try to have them fight on the wave rider exactly but she was ready to
1: but she was
2: ready to right, but
0: that's good characterization. Exactly. But I feel like you don't need to have oh. we've seen we've seen enough super characters and bad characters fight to last us True. for a little while. I also I do think that Ruby Rose is acquitting herself very well here because yeah. she's she's definitely the newest. She's probably the youngest of all the leads on these shows, yep. and she's definitely the newest to this universe. Yeah, and it would have been easy for her to kind of even if they wrote a lot of good stuff for her to kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit, or yeah. for her to sort of be a little um i'm sure i'm for all i know she was terrified on set every day but <laughs> for her to be, for her to like falter a little bit in her performance like right. standing alongside literally brandon routh as superman for her to like not be totally on her game yeah. and it would be kind of understandable but i feel like she's she's hit all of the like i don't know if she had any idea who kevin conroy is going into this but you know, if, if anybody told her that here's someone who's been playing Batman for almost 30 years, like, that must have been a little intimidating yeah. to her, right? Unless she just completely looks down her nose at cartoons. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but she's, she held her own in those scenes, right? She's, she's playing against, like, the 60-year-old actor who knows this character inside and out, and she held her own in those scenes, you know? And that's, yeah. not, that's not easy. Um, but, yeah, literally while we we're, t- were talking, I thought of you got Jonah Hex. Yeah. You got Lucifer. So you didn't even know that was nah. a cameo. Lucifer, is a, it was a show that I think it was on Fox and it ran for three years and then it was canceled. And there was a whole Bring Back Lucifer fan campaign. Oh. And finally, Netflix picked it up for two final seasons. So it's oh. about to have its final season on Netflix. But yeah, that's Tom Ellis, who played Lucifer on and is still playing Lucifer on that show. Okay. Um, and so that's, that, that was one that, that kind of leaked. Because um, Tom Ellis was spotted in Vancouver and they're like, why else would Why else is anybody in Vancouver unless they're going to be on a show that's on the CW? And he was kind of like, uh, no, I was there for like a friend's birthday party or something. Yeah. And so everybody was like, oh, OK. Um, even though that seems like a really lame. Yeah. Excuse. It's in so lame. It has to be true. Um, so it turned out that it was actually him. Um, so that's that's cool. Like, there's just one more thing you can add in there, Earth 666, which kind of feels like Hilarious. a bit of a gimme. But of course, he knows Constantine. Oh, wait.
1: Yeah, we were looking at the multiverse map, and you told me this before. Do you remember Oh, ages ago when we actually Was like the
0: Earth We paused? On there? Yeah. Oh, and
1: I said, What the heck is like this the Earth? Devil
0: Earth or something. No,
1: because literally underneath that Earth, it said Lucifer.
0: I bet they. Oh, did like, it, really?
1: it literally said that, and that's why I we bet had they, our conversation. I bet they had to go back that, yeah. and,
0: and insert that shot. We speculated, actually, that yeah. they might have inserted that shot of the in multiverse post, in post production once they knew more of the guest stars they were going to get um, and then uh, I'm forgetting one other oh well then we get this this guy that shows up that was a weird scene this guy shows up as Jim Corrigan for two seconds and Oliver's like yeah I'll go with you and become the specter yeah, or whatever you want him to yeah. do was like, well, that was a weird scene Mia's gotten a lot of great stuff here too she gets her costume she gets some great scenes with her father I still want like one iconic shot I don't know if we're ever going to get it now maybe not it's looking less and less likely but we still haven't gotten the one iconic shot I wanted of like the two of them back to back firing their Aww. bows at the same time like we've had them in the same shot but it's we like might, it hasn't been that yet. one iconic shot ted
1: ever. or we might yet
0: yeah we might yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then Sarah's arc, so to get back to the arc, Sarah's arc seems to be, hers is maybe the most slight, but she's kind of, of all the characters, she's kind of, I guess, the most self you know what I mean? Like, she's, she's gone through <laughs> she's, everything already, you know? Like, yeah. what can you do to her? What more can she learn she's about herself? She's the guide. She she's the mentor, know. yeah. But her thing seems to be, and it ties into Oliver's stuff. Like, she's been through what Oliver's going through right now, and so she's sort of there as the guide to the whole resurrection exactly. thing. And she's like, is it right that we try to bring him back? Look at the hell that I went through when I came back, yeah. you know, I'm still struggling with.
2: The violent remif- tendencies the and, that, and like yeah.
0: can I have a normal life with Ava and all that stuff like I'm still struggling with that do I want to do that to like my best friend yeah right yeah so so that seems like her arc. and then Jefferson I mean we didn't think going into this recent episode of Black Lightning I was like oh the, the most they're gonna do is have like some character comment on how the skies are kind of red or mm-hmm. maybe have like a post-credits thing yeah where Pariah shows that, up Pariah, and teleports yeah. the but the whole episode was basically about the, the antimatter wave but, yeah. but they did a really good job because they used it in service of Jennifer's character arc yes in a way that had her do like a ghost of christmas future kind of thing where she mm-hmm. saw other versions of herself so i guess now we know that like the the definitive version of Jefferson Pierce on earth 1 mm-hmm. right the main arrowverse earth is dead Right? Yeah. Because that was Earth 1. Right? right? So I guess that's... And, and who knows how much things could be reshuffled when this is over, like we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, this, maybe they'll set it so that the versions of Black Lightning and his family, we know, will always have lived on Earth 1 once this is over. Right? Who knows?
1: But this is fantastic, though. Isn't it something that um, everybody... Uh, Everybody is still forgetting that Jennifer is in some sort of an antimatter form. Yeah. I don't
0: think that's going to play out here, I think though. it will. I don't think. I, I think it will. No. There's my prediction. Here, here's my, here's, here's the reason why not, though. Because in all the interviews, they made a big deal of how hard it was to 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 um, to um change Cress Williams's shooting schedule so that he could fly out to Vancouver. Yeah. And they had to have, like, this his suit. It's hard to transport. They have like a special guy that has to travel with his suit and they had to fly that guy out also and then his stunt double. And then I think if they, so I think that they, they wouldn't, they didn't and wouldn't have been able to fly multiple actors out. So I think that Jennifer's thing will probably continue in the next episode of Black Lightning, but I don't think she's going to show up in parts four or five of Crisis. I don't oh, think that's like some, I don't think that's some MacGuffin or or like Chekhov's gun sitting there waiting to go off in the final No, part it Crisis. has to
1: be. I'm sorry. I have to disagree with you because in Crisis, she was still, I mean, in that episode, she was, uh, no, that I was wrong.
0: Je- no, might- no, 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 no,
1: because the- it was at the end of it. They, they made a point of it to, to, to show that the our Jennifer, the one we know, um, it somehow survived the wave going through well, the, yeah, others she, she she the others and disintegrating. He she or turned something. into something. I think it's going to play a very important part. I actually disagree I, with you on this because maybe, they they yeah. they showed the blip in black lightning they showed the blip of harbinger's classic you know yeah, effect or whatever blipping him out uh blipping blipping out black lightning just before um but here she survived uh, Jennifer survived on her own um. Against all odds. And I know that's going to be important to the events of Crisis. The, and not only that, but they made it explicit in the episode that she's related to the antimatter wave. So if she's related to it, why would they put so much pressure on that plot point if it didn't have well, a payoff it wasn't in Crisis? Well, not so much that
0: she's related. it's the fact that she has, in sort of a vague comic booky way, she has powers where she absorbs energy and the antimatter wave, you don't think is that'll energy. be in.
1: You don't think that'll be important. Here, here's
0: what I'm saying. I don't think the actress will appear in the crossover. They might have a thing where the her, her little energy signature, like the little right. balls of red energy, she became at the end show up, and that helps them in some way. And Jefferson's like, "I recognize this. That's my daughter, or something." But I think literally the actress did not film any scenes for this. that's okay. the, that's the distinction I'm making because they made such a big deal about how hard it was to get one actor from Atlanta all I the way. I
1: think out they of did that as a red herring, kind of like Lucifer was like, "Hey, I'm here for a kid's birthday party." I, or I don't,
0: something. I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. We'll see, but I think I think that most of that is will play out in the next episode of Black Lightning, and maybe it'll be mentioned here by. Jefferson but I don't mm-hmm. think but but that, like that was a really good that was a good episode of Black Lighting and then it continues oh, on so here yep. where he's in mourning for his family yep and he has that great scene with Barry that where scene he with talks Barry was both, what I wanted both to talk about parents yep and, and they both have and they both know what it's like to lose family and they both have you know and they I mean?
1: both lo- were raised by good people um and and had good the fortune of having good fathers who instilled in them good values and yeah. that they were going to fight for those memories even if there was nothing left um to do you know and they, they were just going to keep on going they were going to go down swinging and that's just such a beautiful moment so ha, huh, awesome
0: yeah so so what
1: about luther's um um uh trick you well, know so the let's trojan talk, luther let's, let's
0: leave the end let's leave the ending for last there's still one or two other things so let's talk about right. ryan Choi briefly so it's cool here yes. because this actor whose name i can't remember it's like osric chow or something like that um go, way back when the when when there's like gail simone who who uh, co-created the character was talking on twitter and and she's like if if ryan Choi was ever in live action mm-hmm. this is the guy i would want to play him and now this is the guy and he oh. apparently is a big adam fan too like he's he read the all-new adam when he was in college or something his roommate mm-hmm. he was, he was never into superheroes but his roommate said hey you know what because he, I guess he was in acting school, right? His his roommates like, you know what? If you ever actually do become a big time actor and get to play a superhero, you should play this guy because you kind of look like him. And he handed him some of Gail Simone's Ryan Choi, all new Adam comics, and he really liked them. And he's like, yeah, this guy's, you know, yeah. there's not a lot of Asian superheroes out there, so he really he's sort of like, you know, yeah, connected I mean, to the character. Yeah. And he's like, oh man, it would be really cool if I got to play this guy one day. And then finally, it ended up happening. So that's a <laughs> little thing. And. In the comics, he was he was like a kid, right? Like he, Kind of like in the current comics you know him from. Like He's he's the new guy, right? He doesn't have yeah. a wife and a family back home. He's right. g- generally written as being too young for that. Um,
1: right. He's a grad student or here, something.
0: Here he does, which is an interesting take with the character. But I, I do like that they his daughter's name is Simone, which is obviously in honor oh, of Dale yes. Simone who created mm-hmm. the character. I don't know <laughs> if you got that or not. Um. So I did want to talk about So we don't really have, you know, I we haven't really seen enough of him yet to you know, have a fully formed take on him, but he, he's doing a good job so far. You mm-hmm. know, he's, he seems like a, a human, you know, like a, a very human But he's character. the
1: beacon of humanity, exactly. And we're going yeah. to talk about the beacons in a second. Well,
0: yeah, so I guess the last thing maybe we should talk about before we talk about, you know, the the big plot stuff in the ending is the whole Paragon thing, which I don't think was ever in the comics. But it's kind of a, it sort of makes sense here because in the comics you can draw like, all, all the costs is like a little bit of wear and tear on on. uh on uh, George Perez's wrist and you could have a page where there's hundreds of characters all standing around together, right? Mm -hmm. Here, you can't do that for any number of reasons, right? So the story kind of has to focus. If you notice, the Supergirl episode, like the main stars of the show have been in each part, but the, the Supergirl episode had a lot of the Supergirl supporting cast in it. And the Batwoman episode had some of the Batwoman supporting cast in it. And the Flash episode had some of the Flash supporting cast in it. So they don't have, like, Frost has not been in all three episodes. Luke Fox was not in all three episodes. Alex was not in all three episodes, right? right? So there's, and I think that's for obviously a lot of logistical reasons, right? Like they couldn't afford to pay the actors for multiple episodes. They couldn't schedule it so that they all could shoot five episodes, right? Right. There's all they could do just to get the five or six stars to be on all these parts. Um. So you focus the story down to six or seven main characters, most of which are obviously going to be the main stars. Like it's no surprise that Barry, Kara, and uh, Kate are three of the Paragons, right? And Sarah also, right? Yeah. It's a little surprising that Oliver isn't one, but he ended up dying in the first episode. So I guess that makes some sense. Um, Jean makes a lot of sense. If you're going to have Brandon Routh Superman there, it, it's kind of surprising that it's not like our quote-unquote main Superman is not Tyler Hoechlin's Superman, but I guess they figure we've seen him before. We're going to see a lot more of him again because he's getting his own show. Let's yeah. give Brandon Routh a, a chance to be Superman in the spotlight one last time. Maybe what's yeah. was the thinking behind that. Um, but it is kind of smart to focus on like six or seven main characters and have them be the through line through all the episodes. And other characters like Alex and Brainy and whoever else can come and go as the story demands. Right. And mostly be in their one little episode. Right. And that it, but it's a, it gives you a logistical reason. From the in-story perspective, well, why doesn't Pariah and the Monitor just assemble two hundred superheroes? It's because these are the seven guys that he really needs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it was done sort of from a practical perspective, but but it works. And and then of course at the end, um, so as it went on, I'm like, oh, they're gonna do they're gonna do the thing where there's only six or seven Earths left, mm-hmm. and then they all get. The the way that happened in the original crisis was they were able to, like, stop the anti-monitor temporarily when there were only five or six Earths left. Mm-hmm. And the way that they could, one way that they could beat him was by merging those last few Earths together, the, the combined Earth was stronger and could survive for longer to give them more time to beat the anti-monitor. Mm-hmm. So I thought they were going to do the same thing here, where they're going to be like, oh, there's five or six Earths left, they'll merge together and then we'll get what I predicted where Supergirl will be on the main right, earth right. and black but of course her earth was one of the first to go mm-hmm. and then as it went down, like, oh now those earths are gone too now only earth one is left I'm like oh well at this point I feel like that my prediction where the multiverse will live on it sort of took some hits early mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. but then like okay there's only one earth left they're, they're not that's not going to be the new status quo right so right. there's going to have to be a thing where the multiverse comes back even if it is in some diminished or altered form mm-hmm. um but then Earth One gets wiped out too. Yeah. And uh, Pariah, so so uh, the Anti-Monitor, who we only see briefly once, presumably we're gonna see a lot more in parts four and five, takes control of Harbinger and uses her to murder the Anti the Monitor, which is exactly mm-hmm. what happened in the comics too. Yeah, um, And it was tragic because this was like a girl who had been orphaned and the Monitor, it's the comics right. now I'm talking about, and the Monitor yeah. had raised her basically. So uh-huh. she was almost like his daughter and then she was used as a weapon to kill him. So that was the tragedy there. Um, it's a little, not not quite the same here. Like he's yeah, important to Lila, but it's not quite the same. Um, but the same thing happens. And then Pariah, who I feel like he's there and he looks cool. Um, but I, we didn't really get like, why not, why not have him in those shots? Oh, I guess I know why. Um, his whole thing is that he appears and he has to witness each earth being destroyed. But we didn't actually see that happen. All those earths we saw. With, right. you know, Huntress and Burt Ward and so on. Like, he wasn't in any of those shots. I'm like, why wouldn't they just put him there? I guess they could have composited him in. But I guess, yeah. realistically, the, the reason was Tom Tom Cavanaugh literally could not be in all of those locations yeah. shooting that those scenes. Mm-hmm. But they could have composited him in there as, like, a ghosty effect or something. Saying, mm-hmm. no, you know what I mean? I don't yeah, know why yeah. they didn't do that. Because this whole shtick, which he talks about at length, yeah. we never actually get to see happen. Right. So I don't know why they didn't do that. But he, he sends the Paragons to Vanishing Point, which is a cool callback. We haven't seen that since the end of season one of Legends of Tomorrow. Do you remember?
1: Yeah, I that do. That was
0: where Rip Hunter and the Time Masters operated from. Was Vanishing Right, I Point. remember. And it got trashed. Yep. the Time Masters I were remember
1: destroyed. when Leonard Snurt kicked the bucket. Leonard Snurt. Leonard Snurt. Leonard There's Snart. another cameo. There you go. Wentworth
0: Miller is the Leonard voice of the uh, Wave Rider Hilarious. of Rose 74 Yeah. Um,
1: at, at odds with his heat wave. Right. uh, com- with, uh Tenant. There's another one that there didn't leak,
0: which is not surprising because it's just a voiceover role. so sure. Not surprising that that didn't leak because there were no set photos you could get of Wentworth Miller and a Parker or something. Right. Um, <laughs> so he sends them the seven, the Paragons, to Vanishing Point, but then it turns out... Oh,
1: the Ray. Sorry.
0: Oh, yeah, that's another one, the Ray. Yeah, that, that I think was, was rumored, but yeah, it's cool that we saw him again. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they get sent to Vanishing Point and Lex Luthor, it turns out, is scribbled on the Book of Destiny <laughs> and literally <laughs> overwritten Superman's name with his. And so... And so Brandon Routh Superman uh, gets, like, erased from existence or replaced or something with Lex Luthor. And now they're stuck with him there at the end of time. Yeah. Um, trying to – got to figure out some way of restoring the multiverse and, and fixing things. And that's the big cliffhanger. And now we have to wait so fi- the, fi- four or five so weeks. So this is
1: interesting because we've seen the combination to the – oh, the anti-monitors or the, the – yeah, the anti-monitors, um, I don't know, door there – we've seen the the combination multiple multiple times do you think the sequence of number uh, of those of the paragons yeah, is going to have any uh, is going to have any uh, uh, bearing on the story mm,
0: i think it's had all the bearing it's going to have which is cisco needed to vibe pariah in order to see yes, the, the sequence the that nash sure. used to open the door so that right. they could go in there i think that that was the payoff for the sequence of numbers um, and Cisco got his powers back too which is another thing we didn't really talk about yeah. I feel like there's a bunch of stuff we're forgetting I that know. we're going to kick ourselves for not talking about later <laughs> um, but yeah I know how they come back from this but obviously there's going to be a way to do it there's a lot to stuff they have to fix the multiverse they have to fight, stop the anti-monitor Oliver has to have his big yeah, return or or some sort of Moment heroic cu- yeah, you know that's not the last we're going to see nope. obviously there's got to be something Mm-mm. else
1: yeah, the Spectre's presence has to be explained somehow because that was really a uh, that short was That was out of nowhere. I do like that I'm they gave. Short. I do
0: like that they gave Constantine the line where he's like, "You don't look like the Jim Corrigan I know." It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, you don't look like Emmett Scanlon or whatever his name was, yeah, or yeah. the guy that played Lobo. And, and the someone asked Mark Guggenheim on Twitter was, like, Twitter was like, "Was that because he doesn't look like the Lobo? the the the." the uh, The Jim Corrigan from the Constantine show? And I'm like, yeah, that's what we were going for. So I guess this does mean that he is the Constantine from that show and (laughs) not just the same actor playing the same character in a different continuity. You know what I mean? Because that was always a little unclear because it's like... Well, there you go. It's clarified. And the Astra thing was always very similar, right? Yes. So I guess you could... It it was being strongly hinted that he was the same version. But it wouldn't necessarily have to be the same version. Just like you could have Brandon Routh show up as a Superman. It's not necessarily... The Superman Returns Superman. I know. Um, yeah. yeah. But that was... So, I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff we're forgetting. But yeah, Goodness, I think that's that that's, the, that's the most of it. So, we got to wait four or five weeks now to, to know. find out what happens. And the final two parts, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. It's weird because Legends of Tomorrow actually doesn't premiere until later in January. They're doing like a special episode.
2: Oh, cool. As part of
0: the crisis. So, technically, like when you buy the Blu-ray or whatever, Legends of Tomorrow season five or four... Um, the first episode will be Crisis on Infinite Earths part five, and then the second episode will be the proper season premiere. It's, it's a weird thing. I don't know why they didn't just do, I guess they wanted to have all five shows be a part of it, Mm -hmm. and maybe there's some behind the scenes logistical reason why it had to be all five shows, and why the finale of this wasn't just a double length episode of Arrow, and they would have had to pay Katie Lots more to, like, who knows what the logistical reasons were. Um... Yeah, it is kind of weird that that's the way the scheduling breaks down, that the crisis episode of Legends is like weeks before Legends even premieres. It
1: could be be just contractual things of what the production studio could do, like we're paying you for 13 episodes, but you have to be part of this, but we couldn't work it out. Yeah, I read just this week, which I didn't know, is that
0: they actually have to pay the actors a special crossover rate, which stands to reason. Yeah. But they, they, uh, they pay them... I'm assuming that it scales with the number of other shows they appear in, but perhaps presumably in like some non-linear way, right? right. Like if Stephen demal appears for five minutes in Flash, he doesn't just get paid like 5% more. He probably gets paid twice as much. There's probably something where it's like, because it's not an yeah. incremental amount of work. No. Especially for someone like Chris Williams who had to fly to another country and spend a whole week there. Like. The,
1: I like the fact that I really love the scene that they did, but they tried to pay attention to the source material for the character as well. Well, like he said,
0: like the, the, they, they kind of paid, they did the they, running home to you one too many times with Barry they did the whole i'm going to live my life by whatever means by necessary any, one yeah. too many times with Jefferson a little bit yeah but they but actually, i did
1: appreciate that they kinda,
0: well and they, they said in some of these other interviews that i read is that i mean there's a lot of the same writers that work on a lot of the same shows but but there is some there are, there are they are different writers rooms sure. and, you know writers can move around but um but when they have you know
1: access to Barry
0: appear in an episode of Arrow yeah they have the Flash writers take a look at the script and make sure that he's being written properly like in character and they did the same same thing here even though the Black Lightning office again is very separate from the other offices they sent it over to the Black Lightning Black Lightning showrunner and had him take a pass on Jefferson's dialogue to make sure that it that he read as if he you know, step right out of that, that show. Yep. It wasn't just like...
1: It felt that way. Yeah. It did. It felt that way. It, it felt like they didn't really have time to introduce him properly because he had to get to work right away. Um, but I feel like that scene between him and Barry was really, really... I feel really like
0: if you were watching... I feel like if good. you were watching this, kind of like the Patrick Willems video where he took his parents to see Avengers Endgame, when they had only seen like one other Marvel yeah. movie. I feel like I wonder if you put someone down in front of this and had them watch it how much sense it would make, like if they'd never seen any of the CW shows before. Hilarious. I feel like the, the cameos would work fine because you very quickly get the idea that, oh, there's a bunch of different Earths. Yep. And, you know, and there's a bunch of different versions of these characters. And like, oh, this one Earth had a guy called Black Lightning on it. This one Earth had a guy that Clark Kent, but he looks different. Like yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't even necessarily need to I don't show. I think
1: you'd be confused. You wouldn't need
0: to know that Black Lightning was a show that you can go out and watch right now. Yeah. You'd, you'd, watching this episode, you would be given no more reason to think that Black Lightning was a show you can go and watch right now than you would to think that Brandon the Brandon Routh Superman is a version of that character you go to the movie theater and see right now. Right. They're treated with equal importance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't know that it's a Black Lightning show, you don't need to know that, you know? Yeah. If you, if you don't know that there has not been a Brandon Routh Superman movie since 2006 or whatever, yeah. you don't need to know that. You right. know what I mean? So yeah. I feel like obviously there's a lot of character nuances from the main characters – and things that they reference that you're going to be missing. But I feel like yep. the cameos and the guest appearances are, are done in such a way that you don't need to know. Because you didn't well, this we, we have a perfect example of that. You didn't know Lucifer was a show.
2: Yep. There you go.
0: But you got exactly what you wanted to oh, Aside yeah. from the the fanboy aspect, you got exactly what you were supposed to get out of that scene, right? which is like here's Lucifer. Of course, John Constantine knows, knows Lucifer. Yeah. And Lucifer owes him a favor. Yep. And, you know, he's like this he's like this sleazy nightclub owner guy which is which was the original status quo of the the Lucifer series not the current one but the one that originally spun out of Neil Gaiman Sandman where Lucifer was on earth and was running a nightclub unlike on the Fox TV show he doesn't also solve crimes yeah (laughs) that was something they had to do to make it a TV show where he's he's the (sighs) devil on earth and he solves crimes okay Um, but uh, because everybody has to solve crimes if you're on a network TV show I think
1: so yeah
0: Um, so yeah But, but so, so that's a perfect example. Like you didn't know that was a show, but Mm -hmm. you still, like if you didn't know Black Black Lightning was a show, it would have been exactly the same thing. Oh, here's, you know, of course, you know, Lucifer from the comics slightly, and you know, Black Lightning from the comics. So you still would have been cool for you to see Black Lightning on the show. Yeah. But you wouldn't have needed to know or be familiar with his characterization from that show. I feel like him walking around talking about how he's lost his family obviously carries a lot more weight if you've been watching his family for three years. But, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I think we've exhausted that pretty good.
1: <laughs> I think so, too. I can, I can sleep soundly tonight uh, until 2 a.m. when I think of something else that I wish I said.
0: <laughs> and, the, I mean, the musical cues, too. I yeah, mean, we of course. About, yeah, we, we talked, we talked about, about it when I was talking about my predictions, but they not only did the John Williams and Danny Elfman, they had a, an homage to the classic Batman 66 music. Um, the Flash they had, show. Oh, the Flash theme. <laughs> yeah. Shirley Walker, speaking of Shirley Walker, Shirley Walker's theme from the Flash show, Got a, a lovely re- reprise mm-hmm. as he was dying, and I feel like that was that Perfect. was such that a was wonderful nice. way to go to get the the old footage and the music and the actor and the suit and everything. That suit, I mean, I love John Wesley Ship, but that suit is not aged well. Like it looks like he yeah. made yeah. it a velour or something. Like I didn't even know, like suede or was, something. Yeah, I thought it
1: was. Like, felt. It looks like.
0: Yeah, it's like why why are you wearing it? But that was I that mean. that was the style. That was the that's suit. The style of the time. Yeah.
1: Well, there you go. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But hey, it was great. And I like that the the crest, the um, flash emblem was the only thing that yeah, survived and it's the a, disintegration.
0: And it's kind of like what they did. In, I was wondering if they were going to go one step further because what they did in the comics was, you know, he disintegrates. All that's left of him is his ring. And Wally, oh. Wally walks up and picks up the ring. Yep. And it's clear like, oh, he's got to be the flash now, right? Right. Here I was wondering if they were gonna do a similar thing. He never had the ring, like our Barry now is the one that right. has the ring. But if Barry if R. Barry were to walk up and like I realized they had to get out of there because of the explosion or right. whatever, but I wondered if they're gonna do a scene where R. Barry walks up and picks up the symbol and he's like, No, I have to carry on for this guy. That would have been their way of homaging yeah. that one scene, but they didn't do that. Um Yeah, they said that they had they took the twelve covers to the Crisis series from the comics because it was twelve issues, yes. twelve monthly issues. You think waiting a month to find out how this ends? Imagine waiting a month in between. It's kind of like Doomsday Clock, right? Waiting yeah, yeah. a month in between 12 issues. Um, or many more months for Doomsday Clock, right? It's been like three yeah, years I know, for that. I know. Um, they took the 12 covers, and for their five episodes, they picked five covers. And there's like, they put, in other words, they picked a cover, one of the 12 covers from the, the original I series, you, yeah. to represent each of the five episodes. Like, I here's, a, here's a moment that we want to be emblematic of this episode, mm-hmm. and we're going to take it straight from the cover of that right. comic. Right. So I'd have to go back and look at the original 12 Crisis covers to see which they've used three of so far. Right. But I believe them when they say that. But it's cool that they were using the comic moments as their touchstones. And in fact, did I tell you this? That Marv Wolfman, who wrote the original Crisis, mm-hmm. actually co-wrote the, the next part, the, the Arrow part, with oh, Mark Guggenheim.
1: That's really cool. So oh my goodness. Did he co write four and five or just
0: four? Just four, I think. It's
1: very strange. Yeah. Very interesting choice. I'm looking forward to see what happens there. But uh, yeah, okay. Um, is that is that all you've got? Is the well dry?
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, if there's anything else we think of, we can talk about it when we talk about parts four and five. Exactly. In a
1: month. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you want to reach out to us, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our Twitter handle is at smartspodcast. On Facebook, it's Facebook.com slash and our website is www dot <laughs> smartspodcast.com How about a funny sound?
0: Um, I don't have one. Maybe about... You can make the sound of an antimatter wave. <sighs> I feel like all your sounds are just sort of vaguely wind-like.
1: I really, really, really like the uh, white noise app.
0: Okay. <laughs>